get it going. It's time to get up. Hand off out of the gun, fake, and it's taken by Finley, the 20, the 10, the block at the 5, running on the hash mark, into the end zone, touchdown Bengals. The Cincinnati quarterback with a 23-yard run. These guys are here to break it all down. There is not the clarity about Montreal, the two Ontario teams, and BC. And BC, as we've seen, is generally the most stringent province. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. <laughs> not a big deal. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? It is Tuesday, December 22nd, three days to Christmas. Are you ready? Are you fired up? What's going on? This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. James Sabolski here. Perry Solkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on Sportsnet 650. Like, are you shoveled out of your place yet, man? Like, I couldn't believe the pictures that you had posted of the dump that you got on your front yard and your backyard, for that matter. Yeah, you know, I was curious if if I was alone in this. No. Uh, I was actually going to text you and go, hang on here, pal. What, what do you got over in your Delta world? And literally, I left probably the house and say, oh, you know what? I had booked a uh, a bicycle at the gym to ride at 12 o'clock. So I'm out my door at quarter to 12. And it looks like the rain is turning into a little bit of snowfall up where we are. We're at a higher elevation. But, you know, nothing, nothing staying, right? Lands, okay, use the windshield wipers. I'm on the bike. And now down below in the Port Moody area, I'm looking at the soccer field going, oh, it is starting to turn white. And I was, you know, I could only ride the bike for 45 minutes, then went and got a Starbucks and then go, wow, hang on here. I'm going to come up the mountain and this hasn't stopped cars on the side of the mountain. I think our driver's not going. And then I go in and it's just ridiculous. So then I feel like I can't do anything. And, and by the way, because you're from the prairies and I don't know if because you would do this from Ottawa as I'm going through the store at the Starbucks, I'm in shorts. Right. Because I've just been at the gym and there's a couple mm. older guys, uh, social distancing on, are you crazy? And shorts, like, prairies, man, it's not that cool. So what am I going to do? I thought, well, OK, I, I pulled my back out on Friday. I'm still the hernia still bothers me, but I feel like I really haven't been able to be much help around the house. Should I try and grab a shovel and move wet snow? And it, if anybody knows about snow, wet snow weighs about 645 pounds per shovel. But I did do it, and um, yeah, and that was a little bit of a skating rink today. As again, I'm very winterized. I had to take the dog out wearing sandals with no grip, and it's a little icy, but better. So the answer is driveway's not bad. Snow still all around us. I mean, it puked rain here yesterday, and then at some point mid morning, it turned to snow and big bat flakes. A lot of it just turned to slush, but it stuck around in our neighborhood out in South Delta. And it was, uh, I'll tell you what, just kind of looking out the window, it was it was pretty awesome. It was kind of like, man, like hopefully this sticks around. But yeah, it looks like how long? How long do you want snow for, though? Like, At Christmas, give me three man. days in Christmas. I, you know what? Give me give me until uh, early January. I'll take snow until oh, early gosh, January. You. I, I'll tell you this much: you go back five years ago. Um, when we were pretty much cold temperatures until for about 40 straight days. And some of you will remember this, but but puddles and ponds and froze over. And to get out and hit the outdoor rinks, we don't get a chance to do that a whole lot out here. 
especially in this in the south coast of British Columbia, it was magnificent. Like there was a little pond in this courtyard, and I just threw on the blades one day and started booting around these this condo. And I remember this elderly woman poked her head out, and she just stopped and looked at me, and I said, oh, I hope I'm not disturbing you. She's like, I've never seen anybody do this before. This is amazing. And, like, all these people came out on their on their patios and just started watching me on it, like, on this clean sheet of ice. Like, when do you get a clean sheet of ice? It was the best, man. So there is, that's yeah, there are okay some snow. places in Langley and stuff that when they freeze over, you're right, that's, that's Canadiana there. Whether you're a hockey player, good at it or not, if you have never put on a pair of skates and got on the outside, there's been, you know, now Instagram, we see a lot. We saw it with uh, uh, Edler and, and uh, PD and a bunch of the guys who went up three or four weeks ago up to the glacier as they were making their way to Whistler. Just you see a lot of photos, especially in the Alberta areas now, of people just skating on the ponds. It's uh, No, it's fantastic. doesn't matter what age to go out there and just – Sit in the snow, put on your skates, and take a couple, a uh, couple of rips is great. Have you seen that video that went viral yesterday, of a guy driving in his truck, and he's going, "All right, it's winter time." Gets out of his truck, he's got the skate guards on, so he walks. Skate guards are off. Runs onto this pond, and then does the perfect backflip, and then he's dancing in his skates. And I, and I, I automatically, I don't believe any of that stuff. I'm going, "Stunt man, what's the deal?" But then you look and it's it's from the Instagram or TikTok account of, you know, and we're supposed to know everything about sports. I believe is La- is Elijah something. And I look and I don't know if this guy represented Canada at the Olympics or not. Like I'm just out of any kind of figure skating mode. Yeah, but one of our nation's best figure skaters and just the coolest. Get out of the truck, run on the ice, backflip, dance a little bit and leave like, OK, shoot your shot, kid. Did exactly that. <laughs> that's uh yeah it was it was it was very well done and it pretty much went viral uh across all social media platforms yesterday and yeah it turns out the guy's got some pretty good background as a figure skater as well uh hey locally here's what we got coming up over the next three hours uh the nba tips off uh tonight how about that? Uh, we've got basketball back, and uh, boy, this could be the blueprint for the National Hockey League when they get ready to uh, drop the puck on January 13th tentatively. But uh, Alvin Williams, uh, Sportsnet uh, basketball analyst and former Raptor, will drop on by coming up in about 10 minutes from now. Uh, Justin Bourne, Sportsnet hockey analyst, will join us just after 7 o'clock as well as we uh, look at the Canadian division and just kind of dive in on the Canucks and see where we're at right now. Harmon Dale from The Athletic, uh, who also covers the Canucks, will join us on your Canuck commute coming up just after eight o'clock as well uh and we'll dive in with with the Canucks here this morning look we'll get to coming up at the bottom of the hour Dr. Bonnie and Adrian Dix uh weighed in on the possibility of the Canucks being able to play home games at Rogers Arena and I think it's still a moving target at this point in time but we'll get to that coming up uh, in just a few minutes from now but we're asking you this morning our poll question here at Sportsnet 650 on Twitter and love to hear from you on the Dunbar Lumber text line as well at 650-650. But what's the biggest question mark going into Canucks season? I mean, to actually talk some hockey here, Pear, I mean, this is where I mean we could sit there and speculate all day about, you know, I mean, none of us are medical experts here, but you know what? We all are hockey experts, right? I mean, we we all have skin mm-hmm. in the game when it comes to from a hockey standpoint. And, you know, to me, I'm going to go back to from a goaltending standpoint. You know, I, I look at where the Canucks are. Um, I think there's a lot to like. I think there's a lot of optimism to think that this team will ultimately, uh, you know, have a decent one-two punch for this upcoming season. But, you know, I, I look at where the Canucks are. 
with Thatcher Demko and Braden Holtby, you know, it's just what is Thatcher Demko and who is Thatcher Demko? I don't know if we fully answered that question just yet. You know, in the in the nine starts before COVID-19 shut the world down, Demko had allowed three or more goals in all but one start in the months of March and February. And his save percentage was 905. Braden Holtby this past year, 897 save percentage. Like, that is not, like, man, guys get roasted for save percentages like that. You know, his quality starts, and you look at from an analytics standpoint, only 22 quality starts out of 48 of those last year. Not good enough. Well below league average. And this is a guy who's a former Vesna Trophy winner and, you know, a guy who's won a Stanley Cup. You know, can he get back to being that Braden Holtby or has that ship sailed based on what we saw from him last year? That is a big question for me. I don't agree with you because individually, yes. If Dr. Demko's not here, if Braden Holtby is the guy they bring to replace Markstrom, you're hopeful, and I do think he'll have it. They keep bounces back like when uh, Marc-Andre Fleury moves and all of a sudden you're in Las Vegas. And by all accounts... I think Braden Holtby and a change of scenery will help him. I don't know if he gets back to Vesna numbers, but he gets back to a legitimate number one goalie. Now, if Braden's not here and you've thrown everything on Thatcher Demko, the numbers you just stated of the nine games and when he had the pressure, you go, well, hang on here, man. Does he have a long enough resume to carry this? But I do think together they're okay. It's not a concern of mine because both options show a lot of potential. One, resurrecting the career in a sense and getting comfortable again against NHL shooters to show he's one of the best. And the other to go, hey, I'm okay, actually. My rise has been very consistent, and you were correct to think I can be a number one goalie ready now. So I'm not concerned about that because one way or the other, when one guy's in a slump, the other guy I think will be able to pick him up. I don't see that kind of depth when you talk about scoring. That's where, to me, I'm worried is are we going to be looking on these guys and going, oh, they just played three and four nights against Calgary, and boy, they only scored four goals in those three games because Besser has a tendency to get cold. And once Brock is cold, where is it coming from? Tanner Pearson, is he reliable to score? I would think not. He's just playing in an elevated position because of lack of depth. So where is it coming from? Yes, again, another season where we hope we see the best of a Jake for Tanner. Louis Erickson is going to play hockey on the top line at some point this year. That's a given. Louis Erickson not being able to score in a good position, that's a given too. So there's my concern is where do you stop the Canucks and where do they get their goals come? Because you know as soon as they play a team, you know, Pedersen's going to have everybody all over him. Some good defensemen draped all over him every game. So where is that secondary scoring coming from if you're not getting it on the power play and you're not getting it from someone on that right side on the second line? Is, is that why so many romanticize and hope still right now for Hoaglander and Pod Colson to get here sooner rather than later? Because I, I, yeah, I don't be- think I don't think you're wrong in terms of that assessment, right? Like that's a big that's a big void to fill with Toffoli. I think there's a lot of guys that they have in terms of you know, a lot of NHL bodies and a lot of depth up front. Just not it's not necessarily quality. Uh, I think you've got NHL players that will step in and can fill the void, but you're right. I mean, that's that's a major question mark of guys who can produce outside of outside of Petey, outside of Miller, outside of Bo. Um, I guess Besser to a degree, but I think we're still trying to figure out what exactly is you know Brock Besser. What's his ceiling? You know, is it closer to the rookie year or is this kind of what we've seen the last couple seasons? 
I just felt so good. And I don't uh, I don't think there will be a time this year that Canucks fans are going to go, oh, my God, Toffoli just got three again for the Habs. He scored 10 goals all month. It's been unbelievable. We needed him. I understand if Tyler Toffoli had a four-year deal somewhere that because what you think in Hoaglander, Pod Colson, Bertanen, as somebody else, you know, I'm looking at Will Lockwood's name yesterday going, that's what they need. Somebody out of somewhere showing that they could do some things. But I don't think we're going to miss Tyler Toffoli as an, ah, oh, you know, in two or three years. But I do remember when they signed him and he started sniping early and Brock Besser was still hurt. That, you know, we would sit in the show and go, okay, that conversation is over. That void and that hole is now filled. When Besser comes back, you got, you got a legitimate top six. And maybe your biggest question mark is, you know, is Tanner Pearson really a top six guy? But Bo's got someone he can play with. Bo Horvat again is going to go into a season and go, hey, Travis, how's everything? Who's on my right side? Well, a little bit of a revolving door there, Bo. Yeah, like it's been for the last three years. Travis said as much when he got to Foley. You know what? Now Bo knows he's got someone on his wing, and that still is the biggest vacancy in my eyes that I'm concerned about for the Cubs. Yeah, no, I I think it's it's legit right now. We're asking you as well. Uh, people reacting already here on Sportsnet 650 on our Twitter site uh, right now. Forty-seven percent of you say defense, the biggest question mark going mm. into the season, and obviously, um, who takes uh, that sixth spot? Uh, obviously, Jordy Ben. I don't know that really worked out quite uh, the way the Canucks were hoping last year. Uh, is Ole Olevi that guy this particular season? Does Brogan Rafferty maybe jump up? Uh, Jalen Chatfield, what does that look like? I, I mean, the reality with, with what lies ahead when you look at all the forwards up front pair, <laughs> the one thing I would say is, man, there's a lot of guys that are, are here. They're almost placeholders, like even Tanner Pearson to a degree. I mean, do you see something getting worked out with Tanner Pearson long-term to stay here? I I don't I don't know if no. I see that. I mean, he he's just a shade under four million dollars on his contract year, but I think there's a hope that either Hoaglander or Pod Colson, and probably Pod Colson primarily, just because he was the tenth overall pick, will probably get slotted into that spot for Tanner Pearson by the end of the you know once the year is over. And if it's not this season, it'll be for next year, you know. And then you're looking at one more year after this upcoming season with Roussel and Beagle. I mean, Sutter's off the books. I mean. This is where the time is. You're hoping that some of these kids that you've been talking about developing and hopeful that these guys can make that jump and make that step forward. Um, you know, there's a lot of vets that are going to go bye-bye here in the next uh, in the next two seasons. Yeah, but look at the shopping price. The $4 million you're paying Tanner Pearson and you decide not to re-up that, you're probably going to get a pretty decent hockey player for 4 or $5 million, right? They will be able to restructure the, the, the budget on this hockey team in the appropriate manner where most of the money is not going to your bottom six guys, which, which I think is the blessing as, as, as it was the curse for the last two years, you go, Oh my goodness, 4 million Sutter Beagle's got 3 million Russell's at, the, at, at pushing three, all these guys who aren't going to be the difference makers, but the kids have pushed forward. And now you go, all right, we're going to need some of that for the kids now on their second contract. But now we have some decent money to support them and we can find those guys to play those bottom six roles. And if we do our shopping and if we, if we build the right way, like really, do you think anybody on your, on your bottom six should be making more than 2.5 million? Like if you're well-structured, those are 2.5 to $1 million hockey players. 
I, I could see. I mean, I, I could see a you know a third line center making north of four, something along those lines. Somebody who can contribute. Uh, we'll continue the conversation uh, from a hockey standpoint. The Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business at six fifty, six fifty. But the NBA also tipping off tonight. Yeah, just in time for Christmas to get all five of those games on the holidays to uh, to rule Christmas as the NBA has done for several years now. And joining us, uh, man, it's been a while, but I'm looking forward to this because man, there's a lot of drama. And, and a lot of intrigue as the NBA tips off later on today with a double dip uh, Warriors and uh, the new look Brooklyn Nets with uh, head coach Steve Nash and KD and Kyrie. You got Kawhi and LeBron in the later game going on. And uh, Alvin Williams, our Sportsnet basketball analyst, joins us here. Uh, best of the season to you, Alvin. Same to you guys. How are you guys? I'm fired up, man. I, I I guess like why don't we start with Steve Nash and KD and and company? Uh, the Brooklyn. I I mean, can this team like flip the switch right now, or is it just a lot of people wondering is KD back? Well, I think they know KD's back. I I, I think that uh, he had a lot of time off. He had some summertime, you know, tapes out there showing what he could do, and you know, everybody is validifying that 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 he's that he's right where he needs to be. And you saw him in preseason as well. So, you know, with his talent, his skill set, and then his support that he has, he's not going to have to carry the weight of, you know, everything on his shoulders. He has a lot of talent around him, and it's going to be exciting to see him play. But KD's back, and I'm excited to see what the Nets are going to have to bring. They have an awful lot of star power on that court. And then it was such a surprise album when all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere, Steve Nash is there. Listen, we've gotten to know Steve at his time here in Vancouver. Uh, You know, he's always around the city. He was here around with the Vancouver Whitecaps. I didn't see it coming. Is it that easy, or how will he have to adjust to a role as a head coach of an NBA team? No, it's not easy at all. But the one thing you have, when you do have talent and you have that push to go for a championship, all it is is pieces now. And Steve could definitely be that piece because – he understands exactly what what needs to be done. He understands how to put a team together. He understands how to make sure the egos work and just manage those things. And so now he's going to have a lot of support, hopefully from his coaching staff and other things like that. But, you know, sometimes you just need that piece. And a lot of times it's the coach. It's the coach that drives that. If you look at the Raptors, you know, I won't say anything about Dwayne Casey, but, you know, you make a move, you, you put somebody else in there, and sometimes the coaching takes you a different level. So I think Steve is in a position to, to be that type of coach, first-year player that can make a big-time impact, first-time coach that can make a big-time impact. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I mean, and, 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 and hey, you're probably biased on this one, but, boy, point guards would probably make great coaches, right, Alvin? <laughs> yeah, the, the bad point guard. Steve is a little different. He was a great point guard. So what I've seen are the guys that aren't that good. They, they, they'll be the better coaches, but uh, maybe Steve can break that mold. But I, I'll probably be a great coach, you know, because I understand, I understand the bad players, and when they're not playing, I got to understand, I got to keep them involved. So you're relatable across the whole spectrum. I'm yeah. relatable to the guy. Rela- I'm relatable to the 15th man. <laughs> it's like that, Martin. It's like that. Uh, that um... Man, uh, Martin Lawrence uh, skit on SNL being the twelfth man yes. or the thirteenth man yeah, on SNL exactly. all, uh, all those Go years in ago. There. <laughs> Get the ten seconds Go in. and <laughs> come back out. <laughs> uh, the Raptors. You you look at where uh, man, it's it's interesting as they tip off. Fred Van Vliet got paid this off season. Uh, no Serge Ibaka, 
no uh, Marcus Saul. But now there's a lot of hot rumors about James Harden possibly uh, going to Toronto in exchange for Pascal Siakam, maybe a package. I'm not the biggest beard guy, but man, like I don't see the Raps winning otherwise. I mean, do you make that move? And I guess that's why Masai and everyone gets get paid the big bucks because I, I I would be very hesitant. Only only from the standpoint, James Harden is a great talent, and he's one of the rare players offensively that you can't do anything with. He can get you a bucket. He can get assists. He can do a lot of things. He can win you a few games. He can win you a lot of games. But when I look at a Pascal Siakam and I look at his age and I look at his growth and development and I just look at the commitment that I made with him through player development, through a contract, and I see the pieces of OG Ananobi and I see Fred Van Vliet and I see – Pascal Siakam, I see that my future, you know, the young guys. And if you have a James Harden, if you're not going to win a championship right now, then I don't see the longevity in that relationship. Um, I don't see a championship coming necessarily with James Harden and I, unless there's other moves. But I'd be very hesitant to give up my young talent with, uh, with an, in, inside of uh, uh, Pascal Siakam. Was it right um, and and good for the NBA for Giannis to stay in Milwaukee and let that city uh, see what they could do around him. Was that a good move for small market, meaning good move for the league? I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure the NBA was thrilled to have you know Giannis there, and you, you keep bringing Milwaukee that notoriety. You keep bringing you know income to to Milwaukee. Uh, Giannis is a great player. I, I think it's a great move for him. You know, his reasonings behind it, just listen to him saying, you know, Milwaukee gave him a chance. And it's rare that you, you hear that word loyalty in a positive note in pro sports. So it's, it's that understanding, it's that appreciation of what the organization's done for him. And he's continued doing for that organization. So it's a great relationship. As far as the NBA, I definitely agree with you. I, I believe the NBA, they're, they're ecstatic that, that he's staying in Milwaukee. And it, once again, it brings another, another team in the NBA, that's always going to be watched. That's always going to have a chance to win, and that's just that's just a better note for the NBA. Uh, Alvin Williams here on Sportsnet 650. I think that the Lakers are still the team to beat, and it looked like they kind of still added to some depth in the off season as well. Kind of the rich getting richer, but who's the team in the East in your mind? Like, is is can Miami was Miami a one hit wonder? Or is this sustainable? Like, who's the team in your mind? I hate to say it, Miami. I believe was a one-hit wonder. Yeah, I, I'm I with believe you on they, that. they were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they talented. They play hard. Jimmy Butler really, you know, he showed his value, and the young guys stepped up. But you know, Miami has that culture of hard work and discipline and all those things. So those things are always going to put you in a competitive lens. You're always going to be able to compete. I'm not sure about talent. You know, if if there's enough talent across the board on the bench and everything for for another championship run. Bam Adebayo, so when he got hurt and last year, the team just was not the same team going into the final. So, you know, I, I worry about their depth, but they do have a core and they do have some good players in the culture. But I'm once again, I'm looking at the Nets. The Nets have the talent across the board. They have size, they have athleticism, they have star power, they have, they have, they have young players in Karis LeVert, and they just have it. It's just all about can do they have enough leadership on the court? You know, Steve would be a great leader from a coaching standpoint, but do they have that one player that can emotionally, you know, be sound enough where the ups and downs, all the media attention, and everything that goes along with that, 
do they have that? Because you need that piece to win a championship or, or be a threat to win a championship. And from what I've seen from Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving, they're very emotional, and sometimes they go into their own little bag in their own world, so sometimes it's not helpful for the team. So they have all the talent, they have the pieces, but I'm wondering if they have that leadership. But I'm looking for the Brooklyn Nets to come out of the East. Wow, there you go. See, Alvin, mm-hmm. you know what? There you are, just reminding all of us that you are relatable, and hopefully there's an NBA executive <laughs> listening to that going, you know what, man, he he is relatable enough to be our next head coach here in the association. <laughs> Don't forget about that 15th man. <laughs> yeah. It all matters. The 15th man award. The Alvin Williams Award in the NBA—that's the—that's the next one in uh, in 2025 when they unveil that uh, that new trophy. Merry Christmas, man! I'll nice to you. catch up with you. Thanks, Thanks, Alvin. For having me, guys. Enjoy the holidays. You as well. There he is, uh, Alvin Williams, Sportsnet basketball analyst, uh, weighing in on the association. Fun, man. man, it is going to be fun. It, it's going to be it nice is. tonight just to watch something different, right? It'll quiet look like, and and the NBA, man, give them credit, like. They put the rivalries out there you want to see from the get-go to tip off, right? I mean, mm-hmm. look, Katie, and, and look, it's a, it's a different landscape right now with COVID, but, you know, Kevin Durant against his former team, right? And, look, the Warriors yep. are kind of a shell of what they were based on some of the losses, you know, Clay Thompson's health issue, issues that he's dealt with for the last two years. You know, Durant flying the coop. Draymond, I don't think, is expected to play tonight either. So it's kind of Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins, and you kind of forget, oh, yeah, Andrew Wiggins is part of the Warriors. And, but mm-hmm. Nash and KD and Kyrie, I mean, I'm man, I'm fascinated to see what that looks like. And Kawhi and LeBron, man, that's always must-see TV in this household. So I'm looking forward to tonight. It's a it's a great start, um, you know, from a marketing perspective. You know, they wanted to get this going this week, so get to have their big day at Christmas. And hey, we love it. Uh, we, you know, everybody talking last night fantasy football because who won, who lost, uh, with what the Pittsburgh Steelers did. But it is nice to have the NBA back, and certainly when we get back with some hockey on the thirteenth, nothing's normal, but. Uh, Things might seem a little normal in front of your man cave when you turn on the TV in a couple weeks, and it starts tonight. <laughs> it starts tonight. Four o'clock is uh, when the first game gets going with Brooklyn and Steve Nash uh, against the Golden State Warriors, and then uh, seven o'clock tip-off with LeBron and Kawhi going at it. All right, at 26 minutes after six o'clock here on this uh, Tuesday morning, three days before Christmas, uh, more Canucks conversation coming your way. And in a moment, Dr. Bonnie weighs in with her thoughts on the Canucks being able to play here and why getting out of BC just might be the best thing for the Canucks in this all-Canadian division. I'll explain next, right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. 6.32 here on this December 22nd. Uh, sun getting classic. out there today. Yeah, an absolute You're classic. A, a must-watch every holiday season for sure. See, you get to the point, right? That was our go-to. My, my daughter doesn't watch any TV anymore. They've become part of the computer. Like, there hasn't been... You know, last night, you, you're thinking, and I know you've done it with the girls, you watch, you're, oh, okay, here's our Christmas tradition. Although I have to say this, when I did come back and, and we had our little Canadian of shoveling snow yesterday, I came inside and, and both my wife and daughter were 
baking like crazy yesterday. There was a lot of cooking going on in my house. Very unlike my wife, but just excellent all around. So I a lot of work in front of me for the next three days of eating. Yeah, there were uh, there were a lot of cookies that were made last night in this house, and uh, I, I'll, there, there's been a lot of sugar consumption here over the last few days. Uh, I don't know if Dr. Bonnie Henry's been serving up uh, sugar plums uh, for the Vancouver Canucks uh, or Health Minister Adrian Dix. They hosted a uh, Facebook live chat uh, with Global Television yesterday uh, and, and addressed and kind of did a deep dive on where things are with the National Hockey League and the Vancouver Canucks and whether the Canucks will be allowed to play here at home. Here's what the Provincial Health Minister Adrian Dix and Dr. Bonnie Henry had to say and where things kind of sit with the NHL's uh, return to play plan uh, for January 13th. They've sent us a plan on or around December 20th, right? And, uh, you know, to their credit, to real credit of the Canucks who have been real leaders in our community through this time, we're very appreciative of all the steps they've taken, the leadership they've shown in their using their public voice on our behalf. We're very appreciative of that. You'll know that the NHL ran a successful bubble in the summer, in a season, had a season in a couple of bubbles around, uh, around uh, across Canada, actually in that case, at a time when overall case counts were low. But we're gonna review that, we're gonna take a look at it, and we're gonna treat it like everything else. But I would say this, that uh, Dr. Henry, our provincial health officers, our medical health officers, are extraordinarily busy, right? Extraordinarily busy right now. This is an intense time. They, the NHL has provided what they're proposing to do, and. Uh, uh, now we'll take a look at it and we'll see. Am I right to sense a sense of frustration about how late in the day that this plan is before you? No frustration, just that this is a pandemic and everyone is working flat out. And uh, the NHL has made a proposal and we're going to look at that, uh, at that proposal seriously as are uh, the medical health officers, the provincial health officers in all the jurisdictions across the country. They're going to look at it and review it and make recommendations about it. And uh, I think it's reasonable, having received a plan over the weekend, uh, that uh, we reflect on that for more than uh, a few hours. Yeah, and with that being said, just to the point of, do you, is there a difference in your mind around travel for a hockey team and someone traveling, as you've spoken many times, to a work site in the northern part of the province or in Alberta? Like, is that one of the things being factored in here and part of the conversation? Of course, and it's of course what's happening in the phase of the pandemic, what we're doing, what we're asking everybody to do right now. Um, so the, all of those are considerations that we have to take into account. But as uh, Minister said, you know, we've just received a plan in the last few days. We're considering it. it I have, you know, it's not my only priority right now, as you know. Yeah, and, and is that something that you feel there's been this additional burden from the NHL? Like you both, I know, I know you're both busy. It just seems like. This is, I haven't heard you say that often, that this, is there a pressure from them that's unique to other pressures you felt? There's, you lots, know, of, there's, there's lots, lots of pressures. I think, I think, you know, and I'm a huge hockey fan, as yes, we've talked that. about before. So there is, of course, that extra pressure. And, you know, I think some of the, the public messaging from the NHL um, gives the impression of pressure. But, you know, we're doing what we do with everything. We're looking at the evidence, we're looking at the plans, we're having discussions about what the impacts of those would be. And look, you know, there's, um, they play hockey elsewhere than the NHL, right? And, uh, and obviously other leagues are dealing with the consequences of provincial health orders right now, the BC Hockey League in particular, and, and others, right? The Western Hockey League. So um, what you have to do 
in this as in all things is ensure that that we're fair and consistent with everybody. So there's Adrian Dix and Dr. Bonnie. Basically, uh, we'll get to you when we get to you. Essentially, um, we, you know, we got we got your request, and we'll take it under advisement. And they've suggested that they'll get to it in, uh, in the next couple of days. So I'm assuming we'll get. I like the answer after Christmas. Yeah, I like I like that answer. Right, no preferential treatment. We understand what it means, but there are some other issues. Listen, if I'm sitting there and. and you're dealing with a loved one that, that's in a panic or susceptible to what's going on. I want to find out what, what's happening before I'm concerned whether or not, you know, 50, 60 players are going to be able to uh, start their season at home or going to have to be on the road for the first three weeks. And, and the one thing I have, like James, over the last 24 hours, the messaging from the provincial health officers has been pretty similar in what we've heard in Ontario a little bit in Quebec, yeah, Alberta. They've they've got a hockey with the World Juniors there, but you know everyone's going. Listen, this is a this is a big issue. We understand that, but it, I I think it's almost like Gary Bettman and the NHL offices. Okay, here we go. We're making our big announcement, and all right, well, let's let it out that the BC, you know, as we heard from Elliot Freeman, very stringent. Okay, what make BC look like the bad guys? It's January thirteenth. They've got things to deal with. If they tell the Canucks on the second or third, hey, we're good here. We've seen your plan. We like what you're doing. It's okay. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm glad they have not bowed to public pressure. Well, in this particular case, we'll wait and see, right? And they haven't ruled it out. But I'll come at it with a different approach. And that's bringing us to today's edition of Seaball Says. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. So as we all wait for Adrian Dix and Dr. Bonnie to decide, and we all wonder and debate whether the Canucks or other teams are being allowed to play in their respective NHL cities, I'm kind of of the same opinion here of Harrison Ford. Who gives a <laughs> Exactly. Hockey is coming back. Let's move on. Now, I'm guilty of falling into this daily news cycle here. But it is time to move on. Would it be nice for the Canucks to be at home at Rogers Arena? Sure. If that helps you sleep better at night, why not? But the reality is most of the roster doesn't even call Vancouver home to begin with, right? The best thing for Vancouver this season might be getting out of BC this year. Hear me out. Will it change the Canucks' performance if they're at home here? It could actually help being away from home. This was a team that in the summer came a win away from bouncing Vegas and advancing to the conference final. This against a team they had never beaten more than twice in two years. And they did it away from Rogers Arena. They dispatched the defending Stanley Cup champs, the St. Louis Blues, not here, but in a bubble in Edmonton. If anything, playing away from Vancouver might actually rally and bring Vancouver together more. The Canucks could unite become more as one, staying in hotels together more. There's your other hand. Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. Ah! Okay, 
Okay, that's a bad example, but you get the picture, okay? No one is watching inside Rogers Arena unless you're on the team or your name is Aquilini and Benning. So home ice advantage isn't really a thing, at least for the foreseeable future. And here's another thought in all this. While we all romanticize about the all-Canadian division, Vancouver is dealing with a murderous travel schedule where Montreal is 4,500 kilometers away, Ottawa is 4,300 kilometers away, Toronto is 4,300 kilometers away, and Winnipeg is 2,300 kilometers So let's just say for a second that Edmonton is the place for the Canucks to play this season. We'll shave off about a 1,000 kilometers on almost every trip in the country and even an hour or so off any trip to Calgary. It makes a huge difference for a team that has often lamented that their travel schedule and the miles the players spend in the air and changing time zones, getting out of Dodge just might be the way to go for this season. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Look, time is currency, and with an already tight schedule, shaving thousands of air miles and dozens of hours commuting for this upcoming season just might make a bigger difference than we realize in the standings in this condensed season. And that's this morning, Seaball says. One thing I will say is when they take off to play Toronto and Montreal and they'll get to those cities, they'll stay there. So I don't think the travel is going to bother them that much. Um, But I do agree with you. A young hockey team like this, they thrived in the bubble because their focus was all hockey easier when you're younger. And that will be a benefit to the Vancouver Canucks. 642, uh, we'll continue the Canucks conversation coming up at 7 o'clock. Justin Bourne, Sportsnet Hockey Analyst, join the uh, discussion uh, in a moment. No BS, just straight up PS next here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS. With Perry Solkowski. Go fake news here. My job is to filter it out for you. We do exactly that with a little bit of P.S. This is no lie. Both my partner and I enjoy singing. We can carry a carol. In fact, James is singing in a Dunbar Lumber commercial right now. We've got a decent voice. Now, does everybody like to sing Christmas carols? Well, how about Michael Bublé and Elias Pettersson spreading some joy at Canucks Place? Hello everyone, or happy holidays, or good Yule, as we say in Swedish. Um, I'm happy to be here. I'm fortunate I can't come inside because of this COVID. But lucky for you, or for me, we're <laughs> going to sing a few songs. And I brought a good friend of mine, Michael Bublé. Hey everybody, how are you? Hi guys. Thanks, Petey. A special hello to all you beautiful doctors and nursing kids in your beautiful moms and dads and everybody. I'm so happy to be here. I wish I could be inside too. Fortunately for me, I have Elias Pettersson with me. Now, we, we're, not, we're not rehearsed, but I think this could be something that we take on the road every Christmas. Are you guys ready? Would you sing it with us? You said, really, sing it with us. Are you guys ready? Come on. You man. better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I am telling you why. Sing it. Santa Claus is coming to town. PD gather round. So it goes on. And as you heard the singing there, it is Michael Bublé. 
But Petey does have a microphone in front of his mouth, but just doesn't say much. And we find out why when they were done. Thank you for you. I just realized I don't know any of the songs. <laughs> What's a, big, what's a big uh, what's a big Swedish Christmas? Now it's like I don't even know the Swedish songs. <laughs> oh really? Put them on the face off dot, put them on the sideboards, but don't ask him. James, I like this kid, but man, he has hockey hockey hockey. Just says I don't actually know any Swedish Christmas songs either. What was he doing growing up? Hockey hockey hockey? You know, and Connor McDavid was that kid. Yeah. Sidney Crosby was that kid. Um, I feel like all I want for Christmas is to see Elias Pettersson get a girlfriend. He's done some really yeah, nice I... things, man. He's done some really nice things for, for Canucks fans over the last few months, but <laughs> Petey needs to uh, he needs a plus one in his bubble. <laughs> well, you know what? We will watch him grow, as we did with the Sedins, into very quiet, shy kids, hopefully following the footsteps. And, and look at him. He's, he's willing to put himself out there and go, yeah, I'll sing, although I don't know how to sing, and realizing maybe I should learn some other things. Hey, P.S., Saturday, the NFL game between the 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals, it's going to be unique. In Austin, it's 60 degrees with a chair. <laughs> Alexa? Amazon's Alexa lost her voice this morning, causing a Alexa wave lost of her voice. voice. How is that even possible? We have the replacements ready. Just say the word. And you're sure this is going to work? I don't know if it's going to work, but Amazon will be one of the streaming devices that will also carry that game. Right? We're going to hear. We talked about it last week. Nickelodeon is going to simulcast a game. Amazon will do it. But James, they started already. They essentially have turned this into Super Bowl week for themselves. They are producing seven shows. They've got cooking shows. They're calling the whole thing the Holiday Blitz. And it is their game plan to say, hey, I know NFL. You're looking at conventional television, Fox, NBC, CBS. But think about us and what we can do for your product. It's a new world when it comes to broadcasting and streaming. Sure. I mean, everybody's looking for content with all these digital streaming services now, right? I mean, didn't Sportsnet just uh, air the that holiday special? They did one last year with uh, with Penny and Bianca and Bo Bichette yeah. and Serge Ibaka, and I believe it was uh, Max Domi and, and a few new kids on the block uh, for this past one. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess whatever, whatever, whatever gets eyeballs, I guess, watching, right? That's exactly it. So take a peek. Amazon doing that on the weekend. P.S. A New Zealand craft beer company has just released their latest beer. And I tell you, if it's as good as the ad, it's going to be a hot item. 2020. Let's face it. It's been pieces. This year has thrown everything you could imagine at us. Global pandemics, the end of democracy, killer storms, and even venom-spitting murder hornets. In fact, 2020 has been such a total and utter piece of We felt we needed to do something to try and blow off a bit of steam. What on earth can we do to make sure that we end this dreadful year on a high note? The answer, of course, is to brew a delicious beer, one that says what we've all been thinking. 2020. The beer is called FU2020. A great label. The label actually you can pull away, and it's a decal. So you have that decal that says FU twenty twenty. It's been a hot item. It's out. They're going to be moving it in New Zealand. I'm telling you, 
I would chuckle. I walked into a craft beer company and that was what I could buy. I'd be rounding it up for the boys. Well, parallel, I think it was Parallel 49 here locally had the hand sanitizer beer uh, earlier this year. Sure, I mean, look, I haven't seen too many alcohol uh, or distilleries struggle during COVID. I feel like booze has been selling plentiful. I'm far more inclined to try that beer than I am to watch all those different uh, shows suggested built around a, a football game. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I got time to watch a game. And I'll drink what they're serving, but I'm not watching all the other pregame stuff, all, all the other uh, reality shows around. Tell me this. You pull up behind a car uh, at the traffic lights, and you look at his vanity plate, and it says FU 2020. Wouldn't you chuckle? Yeah, absolutely I would chuckle <laughs> with that. I but love at that some point, But you know what? Hey, at what point does that become dated, though, right? I mean, in, in three years from now, have you still got the same plate? You know, what point you're okay. You, you can all ride. Right. You can right. run We're that. We're moving up on. Right We're moving on, right? <laughs> as long as you're in the 20s, you're okay till 2030. Hey, <laughs> finally, I've got lots of time for comedian Chelsea Handler. She has been using your platform for a lot of good. But man, practice what you preach. There's so many annoying people out here, and I just can't deal with it. I said I'm losing my patience. Really, you're losing your patience. Listen to her Instagram posts that came out yesterday. Is our relationship going to get any better? We came to find the snow, and we found it. But now I have to quarantine for 14 days while I watch people ski. That's Chelsea Handler in an Instagram post she deleted. She's up at Whistler. She's not Canadian. So she came up here to ski. Excellent. Welcome to our country, Chelsea. You don't just get to come here and take off and go skiing. Read the rules. No pressure after treatment. You're here for 14 days. Enjoy your room. Enjoy the view, but no preferential treatment. You want patient problem? Well, you should have figured out what you're doing when you came up to our country to celebrate Christmas. What do you complain? What's your issue? Well, no. Why complain? It, it sounds like she had no idea. Right? Well, she wanted to delete well, that look, post because it's like, hey, man, you know the rules. I mean, I, I mean, look, people want to cancel everything. I mean, I think she followed the rules. I don't think she jumped the queue and skipped the border and she's quarantining. I mean, she's looking out the window and watching people quarantine. Her, yeah, no, like, and her I, person, I don't know what the it, issue is, man. I, I feel like you're, she's swearing like, oh, my God, like, F, you know, we, we bleep some of that out. Like, I take that she's post a comedian. you didn't know that was going to be the rules. She's a comedian. I think you're barking up the wrong tree here, Ebenezer. Why did you delete the post? Because I'm sure a bunch of people like you complained. Understand what you're going in. <laughs> hey, it's great to be here. Should have been smarter. I don't. Th I thought she. Th you know, come on. She's What's an American. What's there to be she smarter she about? She's quarantining. She's quarantining. Doesn't mean you have to love it. You don't have to sit there and say, "Hey, this is the greatest thing ever." Just sit there in a room for 14 days, dude. She's she's supporting businesses in Whistler. She's not breaking rules. She's in quarantine. She's just, she's got penis envy looking at people skiing right now. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think people are morally outraged going, what's somebody who's not from BC? It's the same way we look at everybody with leering eyes when somebody drives by with an Alberta plate here in British Columbia. It's not like we have a travel ban, right? Lighten up. Come on, it's Christmas, buddy. No, you know what? Chelsea Handler, I had some time for you, but if you're coming here, say something positive. Don't come to our country and then bitch that you got a quarantine for 14 days. Those but she rules. came here. She's spending I'm glad money in our country. Your glass of eggnog is half full this morning. <laughs> it's not for Chelsea Handler and me. 
Oh, you're a mean one, Mr. Perry. All right, let's get back to the Canucks. Uh, let's see who uh, who's complaining about quarantine right now with the Canucks. Justin Bourne, Sportsnet hockey analyst, joins us next here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Hand off out of the gun, fake, and it's taken by Finley, the 20, the 10, the block at the 5, running on the hash mark, into the end zone, touchdown Bengals. The Cincinnati quarterback with a 23-yard run. These guys are here to break it all down. There is not the clarity about Montreal, the two Ontario teams, and BC. And BC, as we've seen, is generally the most stringent province. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. <laughs> not a big deal. This is the starting lineup with James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Three minutes after 7 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650. Sabalski, Solkowski, Justin Bourne, Sportsnet hockey analyst, will uh, join us here in just a couple of moments. Uh, a reminder of this hour presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street and Ladner, Arbuter Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. Pair, I just want to jump in here with the Dunbar Lumber text line. A few people kind of taking issue with 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 Chelsea Handler and people uh, suggesting that they're I'm not taking you know, issue with Chelsea Handler. They're taking issue with you going, come on, Chelsea, everybody come to Canada. Well, I just want to say this, like the border is is closed in some respects, but people are still going across the border. You have to mm-hmm. quarantine for two weeks if you come here, though. Like, I will say this. We uh, sat on a patio at, for lunch in the summer I- in Vancouver, and there was a-, a lady walking by with a puppy, and we got talking, and she had explained that she had gone, flown down to California, picked up the dog, and then came back and had to quarantine for two days. Um you know, uh, there are some friends of mine that came to visit that that live, you know, that live south. Uh, they came to visit their family for a couple of weeks here in Vancouver, and you know, they had to quarantine, and you know, they they did that. Um, I think Ed Jovanovski was pretty transparent about his experience just a couple of months ago here, on, even on this show where Eddie's uh, was checking in on his parents, and he had flown up yeah. from Florida to Windsor and had to quarantine for two weeks. So just saying like for everybody that's, that's screaming, the border's closed. This is not essential. Yes, I I get that. But I think that people can still come across the border as long as you're willing to quarantine for two weeks. Well, that's exactly it. There are people traveling and not because of their business by choice. And that's fine if you want to come. But when you come, you are going to sit in a room for 14 days or whatever the government has told. And that's what Chelsea Handler has. I question this, James, when she decided to come to Whistler. Like, honestly, if you were going to go to uh, Newport, Newport Beach right now in California, say, you know what, let's just get out of here. I want to see the sun. All right, you can, but by the way, when you get to that fancy villa in Newport, you realize you can't leave it for two weeks. You'd go, hey, let's let's backtrack on that idea. I don't want to sit in a room for two weeks and just look at the sun and not partake and go to the beach. I don't think Chelsea Handler was sitting in New York or wherever she came from, and I'm a fan. I think she's talented and said, you know, I'm going to go to Whistler. And then she posts on Instagram, drops the F-bomb, oh, yeah, there's everybody skiing, and we came for snow. 
I don't think she planned to take her two animals and rent a place so she could sit in a house for 14 days. Now, good on the government to go, hey, welcome to Canada. Make our place better. No, no, stay in a corner. You're staying in a room for two weeks, and that's how it is. I think she thought possibly she could circumvent the rules or didn't understand what it was going to be like. Hater. Hater. Justin Bourne's not a hater. Hockey, I honestly. like her, but it's just, yeah, a, hey, yeah, yeah. don't. you're going, oh, she's just having fun. She's a comedian. No, she thought she could get on the ski slopes in a day or two. Okay. Justin Bourne, Sportsnet hockey analyst. I mean, I feel like Justin would be more than willing to uh, jump into the Hel Chelsea Coming Hammer, into a storm uh, debate here, for Justin. her jumping into quarantine for Whistler, but I feel like he might save this show after all and bring it back to some hockey talk after all. We are home of Vancouver hockey, and who better to talk some hockey with Justin Bourne? How are you, man? I'm doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Um, do, do me a favor. We're, we've been talking our, our Sportsnet 650 poll question uh, this morning, kind of asking what's the biggest issue or the biggest question mark surrounding the Canucks going into uh, this all-Canadian division? Goaltending, the blue line, their top six, their bottom six. When, when you kind of take a, a look at the Canucks roster and what your assessment is, what, what kind of jumps out for you? Well, you know, in, in the past, I think, I would say the bottom of the Canucks roster is not overly strong. Like I really think their top end is as good as anyone's out there. It's just you're paying quite a bit of money to some of those guys who play down the the, the roster in a flat cap. You know, giving Jay Beagle three million dollars and Vertanen making two point five now, and you know there's there's just some dollar amounts that you're not sure about a little bit uh, around the fringes. And then you know my next question is just going to be. You know, with the loss of Chris Tanev and uh, bringing in Nate Schmidt obviously helps, but this is a, a division that has high-octane offense and, and playing defense is going to be uh, of utmost importance. And can they defend well enough going to another guy who I think is more offensive and less defensive and, and then the loss of Jacob Markstrom? So can they keep the puck out of their net? And uh, can they get solid enough play from the, the, the bottom of their, their forward group for me? Justin, do you not think, and my glasses of eggnog is half full today. James is not. Uh, that's just how he goes through life. We'll change it in 2021. No, yours is empty. <laughs> Listen, the 7 o'clock hour, I'm going to be more positive. Just got a hate on for Chelsea Handler this morning. Don't you think, though, Justin, as I find the positive, you're exactly right. And for the past two years, we just said, wow, the Canucks got so much money in their bottom six. That this will be a crazy year, but it will be the one thing that Canucks may have an advantage on others as they move forward and continue to build this team, that as their bottom six guys contracts come down and finish up, you go, oh, we're not getting a buck, you know, a million and a half from that guy. We were paying him three. We were paying him four. They'll actually have some money that others don't because of how they were built kind of in a backwards way. Yeah, and that's that's very true, that, like, the, the players that are going to – be worth a lot of money and move the needle for the team oh. young and um, are still going to be a part of this team as those contracts come off the books. And that's great. The concern I think is just that those guys are then going to require that money. <laughs> you know, like the, mm -hmm. the idea would be to cash in on those guys before they earn a kajillion dollars, you know, uh, you know, Pedersen's on the books for nine twenty five next year. Uh, you, you can move the decimal place pretty significantly in that contract. <laughs> to, to mm -hmm. 9.25, I think, the second he's got, got another deal coming up uh, or more. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate that the timing will be that, well, the best players are cheap, uh, you're overpaying guys, and then when you're not going to be overpaying guys, you got to give that money to those guys anyway. So it's a, it's a bit of a catch-22 for him, I think. 
Justin Bohr with us here on Sportsnet 650. I, I want to play a clip from you from Hockey Central yesterday. Uh, your uh, your fellow co-host, uh, you know where I'm going with this one. I but, do. Uh, Sportsnet Hockey Insider Chris Johnson uh, was asked about you know who's on the outside looking in in terms of the Canadian division, who might be a non-playoff team. Uh, here's what CJ had to say. I'm going to go with Ottawa, Winnipeg, and ooh, Vancouver. <laughs> Whoa. 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 Love it. Wow. <laughs> okay. And, and you know what? Listen, yeah, if they're displaced, that that's, that's, a ma- that's a massive problem. Yeah, so so CJ didn't quite realize that the show was being simulcast here in Vancouver before he got ratioed on uh, on social media. But 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 Justin, honestly, like like when we talk we talk we talked about this the last couple of days now. Like the tragedy in, that we're overlooking with this exciting Canadian division is that two really good teams beyond Ottawa are going to miss the playoffs. You know, Perry and I were both kind of of the same, kind of echoing the same sentiment as CJ yesterday, and had we had people screaming at us. But how how do you see things playing out in the Canadian division? Well, if Vancouver won the Canadian division, I would not be shocked. You know, yeah. and I'm not really? saying that that is genuine. I, well, I'd be surprised that you know maybe Toronto had underachieved, but I think they're right there among. You know, it depends what you think of Toronto. If you think Toronto is kind of one of the better teams in the division or, and not the best. I can, I can see that. Uh, I certainly think they're right there. And then Edmonton, Vancouver to me have the, the biggest range of outcomes. Like, I just think you can't look at a team that's going to roll out Besser and Horvat and JT Miller. And, you know, now a Tanner Pearson, obviously Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes, you know, if they get goaltending, like if Demko is who they think Demko can be next year and hope he's good. I mean, how, you can't tell me that would be a surprise if that team was very good, you know. And so it's there for them for sure. I just think that, you know, the division is so tough to make sense of because there's been a lot of roster overturn around the division. And, there, you know, there's no real bad team. So I think it's going to be close. I think Calgary is a total wild card for me. I think Montreal made the most strides of anyone uh, in the division in the offseason, uh, you know, with the additions they made. So, it's really tough to to discern who's going to be good, bad, or otherwise. So for me to say that Vancouver might be a team that might miss playoffs, it's conceivable. You know, if they don't get the goaltending that they want, if they can't keep the puck out of their own net, there are ways for me that that team could be the fifth-place team in the division. But I I know it sounds wishy-washy, but genuinely, I I can see them finishing basically anywhere from one to five in the division. Justin, this this is I mean, we sit here every year in September and look and, and go analyze the schedule, the travel, the 82 games, how it'll play out. Man, I just think as much as we are so excited for January 13th to start, would you agree more so than any other to have such a condensed schedule, no preseason, that there are so many unknowns that are going to take place in this four or five month run? that predictions are just uh, are we're throwing stuff against the wall we are but i think because of that it's important to sort of set expectations and and try to figure out what it is we're dealing with usually we have a lot of questions predictions yada yada we go into the season and the hockey answers those questions for us because every team plays every team in the league a couple of times um you know and, and so inevitably we get our answers in this season you know, your team is not going to play, you know, in terms of the Canadian division, is not going to play another 25 teams in the NHL for the year, 24, 25 teams. So 
it's it's impossible to really get a sense of where they fit in league-wide. So trying to make these assessments is important. It is, I agree, as hard as it's ever been. Um, we are kind of throwing stuff at the wall here and seeing what sticks, but uh, I think it's an important year to try to make some sense of what, what we're looking at and figure out who's where because the, the, the hockey itself is not going to answer all the questions for us. Well, and, and, and yeah, it's just, I mean, it's going to be such a sprint once the puck drops. I mean, I, I would think injuries will be an issue. Um, it's hard not to think that that's going to become a case. Guys are going to test positive. Uh, how about the news out of Edmonton yesterday, uh, Justin, with Oscar Kleffbaum missed the season. Here's Man. a guy who played north of 25 minutes a night. I mean, how does that impact this team? Well, you know, they're a team that struggled to keep the puck out of the net. They lose in a best of five to the Chicago Blackhawks because they can't play defense. They added Tyson Berry to the back end, um, yep. which, you know, may, maybe not the missing link for, you know, looking to shore up uh, things on the defensive side of things. So, look, Nurse and Larson can play D. Um, you know, Chris Russell, that's a focus of his. You know, so at least they have some guys that are trying to do it. But unless they get a higher level of commitment from their forwards, that's a huge loss, Clefbaum. You know, that that is someone who they who moved the needle in a positive direction for them. Um you know, it, it's not hard to look at the roster and figure out how they're going to score, but this is yet another team in the Canadian division. It, it's can they defend and losing cleft one certainly hurts their ability there. Justin, would you rather a team that's kind of in place and, and make tweaks or a team like Montreal, which of all the Canadian teams made some really big changes, like good additional changes, but do you think in a short schedule that we're going to see that team take a longer time to figure it all out because of the new bodies? Yeah, and that's a good point is that, you know, familiarity will will be positive for a lot of these teams. So teams without massive roster overturn that were already good probably have a nice advantage here. Yeah. And the Toronto Maple Leafs are, are again in a team with 10 new players this year. You know, and so as much as we're sitting here, to, you know, I am and many other analysts think they're going to be, you know, probably the, the better team in the division. You know, that's a lot of roster overturn. And the guy Sheldon Keith, who's yet to coach a, a full season in the NHL, uh, they may be at a disadvantage. If you're Montreal, though, and you were the 24th best team in the NHL come playoffs last year, maybe they were 23rd, I forget which one it was, but if you were that far down the order, you, you need turnover. You don't want to be the team coming back with the same group and saying, yeah, you know, but stability is going to get it done. Like, you need to be much, much better, not just a little better. So, you know, Anderson for, for Domi was great. Bringing Tyler Toffoli is a nice addition. Edmonton can hopefully give them stability on the back end. Jake Allen can get them some wins out of their backup position. Uh, they, they look to be a better team, and uh, they needed to be more than just stable. They needed to be different. So, so why, so why, with all that being said, um, why are you sold on the Leafs? Why am I sold on the Leafs? Is that that the engine of that team is the same? The people who make the difference are Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, John Tavares, you know, Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, and you know, to some extent, Freddie Anderson, who's you know wasn't awesome last year, but. People are giving him a hard time for last year. He was a 9.09. You know, he was just below league average. So, to me, the, the 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 difference makers are the same, and they're further into their primes. Like when you look at their hockey cards at the end of their careers, you would expect career peak numbers from about this age for the next couple of years, right? You know, as they you know, become acclimated to the league. Um, so I expect them to be able to score with the best teams in the NHL, and they should have at least a couple very good lines, and then. You know, for depth players, they've got a lot of great players. And so people will contend that the Leafs aren't well-rounded enough or physical enough. But every line they throw out over the boards right now is it can play hockey. You know, their third line might be something like 
you know, uh, Alex Kerfoot, Joe Thornton, and Wayne Simmons, or Jimmy BC could be in the mix. Jason Spezza could be in the mix. Like, there's no line that you're like, wow, that guy's not an NHLer, or he's just there because he's cheap. You know, there's a, there's some motivated guys in that roster. So top to bottom, I think they're good. The addition of TJ Brody gives them at least two quality pairs, and there's competition for the bottom spot. So you expect some quality play in the bottom spots, whoever ends up sticking there. So I, I just think there's there's too much talent for that team to be bad. Speaking of uh, talented teams, uh, your Twitter post this morning made me chuckle as you put up the Islanders training camp, of which you were a part of. And I, I laughed as there's my Port Moody buddy, Jeff Dambellini, and Mike Comrie on there. You were there. What do you remember? How many camps did you go to as a pro? Uh, two. Uh, that one That one was particularly memorable as my, my first experience in seeing, uh, you know, Doug Waite and, or sorry, mostly seeing Bill Guerin sing the Lizzie McGuire theme song uh, to to Mike Comrie, who was dating Hillary Duff at the time. Yeah, oh, classic. Um, <laughs> you know, like I just, I have such such fond memories of of watching those guys and then listening to their interactions, just like uh, you know, like it was fantasy camp to some extent. So, uh, not the most talented year in Islanders history, let me tell you, but uh, it was still a cool experience and a lot of fun for me. Well, you could probably say that about the better part of the last 30 years of Islanders franchise history, Justin. <laughs> right. So you're you're not alone. Um, hey, listen, thanks for doing this this morning. Uh, Merry Christmas, and uh, nice to see you signed, sealed, and delivered once again with the Sportsnet fam <laughs> as well. Uh, you take care, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Look forward to talking again. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Justin. Uh, Sportsnet uh, hockey analyst Justin Bourne. Uh, talking all Canadian division and where the Canucks and, and you know it's a valid point. I want to get to Sonia Aslam here in a, in a quick moment here, pair. But the the spectrum in terms of what the Canucks could offer, like a total feast or famine season, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. is it conceivable that they could win the division? Sure. And I think there's a lot of people that would make a case for it listening right now. But I think there's also a real a, a realization, and I think you and I both kind of pointed it out at the beginning of the week, that this team could miss the playoffs as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if this team misses the playoffs. Well, as, as Justin said, really, I mean, we're not immune to it. There's no shortage of superstars. When you mention Petey, when you mention Quinn, you mention Bo, and if you get the goaltending, you can put those three up against, you know, the best three in a lot of teams uh, in Canada, right? With the exception, you know, okay, throw, throw it out there, Edmonton. I know you got your superstars, Toronto as well, but Montreal doesn't have that at their best. Winnipeg doesn't have that skill. Calgary doesn't have that skill in their top three guys. So you're right. I mean, that's what's going to make it fascinating. I, I look, you know, it, it's it's going to be – and something's happening. Someone's getting hurt. Someone's testing positive. It's all going to play out in what will be an amazing 136 days. Sonia Aslam from News 1130 joins us down the hallway. And uh, before we kind of check in on what's happening in the world, what's your biggest question for the Canucks this season here, Aslam, besides where they'll play? But do you look at goaltending? My my concern has been goaltending for a while. That's because we lost Markey, and that was a big loss in my opinion. Wait, you didn't believe what you saw in the playoffs from Thatcher? No, because it was only for a couple of games. I think people put a lot of onus on just a couple of games. Don't get me wrong. He played well. He did a great job. But we didn't get to where we were because of him. We got to where we were in part because of how well Marquis played. That's a duh. That's Everyone should know that. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Are you just calling me out like I don't know that? Like, duh. Are you stupid, Perry? Are you she coming at me, Aslam? <laughs> I like it. I like it, Sonia. Come on. I think everyone should know Marky's helped carry this team and he did it for so long. 
You know, we saw even with Lou, there were, there were games where he would have to stand on his head and to ensure that we got the two points. And then, you know, we lost him to the Canucks farm team, which is the Calgary Flames, apparently. And uh, I think that's a really big hole to fill. I'm not saying Thatcher Demko is not good. I'm not saying he doesn't have what it takes, but is he a number one? No, and I know he won't because Holpe's here, but I just, I, I think we put... I, I love I love I, the fact we get to see the Flames like nine or ten times against Mark. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Same here. But I think um, I think Demko still has a little ways to go until he gets where he needs to be. Uh, I think Jacob Markstrom's going uh, he's going to have all maintenance days for all those Canucks and uh, Flames games, just so we all get screwed. Um, <laughs> so what? Okay, so let's talk about Dr. Bonnie and Adrian Dix. They addressed the Canucks' uh, possibility of playing uh, in Rogers Arena for this upcoming season, and now we wait here, Aslan? Yeah, that's pretty much it. It was a non-answer answer, which is we'll have more details in the next couple of days. Uh, so, yeah, we wait. And, you know, I, I know that there's still a lot of – things to, for them to sort of go over and that she has to approve. But to me also, time is of the essence. Like the season starts in 22 days, is it? We don't really have a lot of time to be like, well, well, I, you know, maybe I'll get back to you next week. No, no, I now. I need you to get back to me now. We need to know what's happening. And I know the team needs to know as well. So um, as for Dr. Bonnie Henry, she hasn't, you know, greenlit the NHL's uh, agreement here to move ahead with the season. There's, I know she said yesterday that the Canucks have a very good reputation of uh, staying safe and doing all the right protocols during this pandemic, and she has no doubt that will continue. I don't have doubt either. But um, as for what exactly that's going to look like and whether the team will play at Rogers Arena, we don't know. She's not saying yet. Yeah, I, and it seems to be the same in, in other provinces too right now. Uh, everybody wait and see. I think they'll wait. I think we'll get an announcement before the new year as you have to get it done quicker. Uh, what's going on with how many people are out of power? I, mean, um, I, I got a lot of snow up here, but hearing just the updates, there's some people, there's nothing worse. I mean, you always hate to lose power, but at this time of year, what's yeah, going on there? You know, you can put a sweater on. You, you can stay warm. I got a lot of snow, but my snow's kind of gone. Like, And I never lost power. I don't know about you guys. Was Tawasin okay? Was... We had power. Yeah, no, I'm all right. We had, we, we, yeah. had, we, had, we had power. Um, we had a lot of snow and slush. Like, it got slushy here yesterday, but yeah, we had power the whole time. Yeah, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people on the Lower Mainland, specifically Maple Ridge, Surrey, Maple, and uh, Mission right now that don't have power. Crews are working on it right now. They've had teams out uh, all through the night. There's a lot of damage from the ice and from just um, and from the snow that we saw yesterday which again was temporary but it just came down so fast and so hard um so there is quite a bit of damage to a lot of the wires across the lower mainland uh vancouver island got hit really hard um you know we got hit not you know pretty hard but if you look at the photos from alberta oh my gosh they took such a beating (laughs) yesterday with the snow well what is alberta not taking a beat i know you know what uh 2018 into 2019 so (laughs) no 2019 into into this year remember we took a lot of snow uh we outpaced alberta for the last couple years for snow so yeah yeah we have not as much in this year they win for sure for sure but um, no, as for BC Hydro here, they're just going to keep working on it. So hang in there. If you don't have power, they will try to have it restored, I think, hopefully by noon, if not before then. But uh, the problem right now is the roads are super icy. So we're seeing a lot of crashes right now. So go slow if you're heading out there. 
Mm-hmm. Well, Burtons weren't bothered by the big snore because they were all at their office Christmas parties anyways. Because they were wow, shots fired. <laughs> hey, listen, my family's all from there. I talk to them and just I just don't want to understand them. I never have, but now more so in 2020. Wow, you're starting to see the pictures uh, popping up of like massive lineups uh, at Costco's in Ontario now with the, with yeah. the pending lockdown for Boxing Day. So everybody, yeah. and, and let's face it, I mean, this is like these next couple of days, a lot of people will go to grocery stores, even here locally, right, and go pick up their stuff. Yeah, because the stores are closed and no one wants to go out and, you know, the weather's dicey. So stock up now. Don't be weird and go get toilet paper, but just go get normal mm-hmm. stuff. And then uh, hunker down for a week and take the week off. You can't find Lysol wipes. Like, I haven't been able to find Lysol wipes What are you talking about? Like There's tons month. of Lysol wipes out there right now. There's a ton or none? Ton. I've seen them. Where? Where are you shopping? <laughs> On her shelves. She's been hoarding Can you them text for months. Me? Because you're They're in my in trunk, front of people Perry. You're grabbing them. I haven't been able to find them for yeah. a month. Oh, um, no. Wow. Okay. Ooh. Um, no, I, seen, I saw them at Walmart the other day and London Drugs had some. It, I think it also depends on what time of the day you go, right? Like... Aslam has a pop-up shop outside of Swan Guard. On, uh... I have one outside of this station. <laughs> it's branded. Yeah, it's in Poco. We're getting the mayor to come after you. We've gone full circle with this 2020. Lysol, uh, brought to you by Sportsnet 650. See, the, 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 there's just a different energy when Aslam hasn't slept and she's on this morning run. Yeah, here, hey, so. woo, oh. having a lot of fun. Have yep. a great morning. Go, go, juice. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Take guys. Take care, Aslam. Bye, boys. There she is, Sonia Aslan from News 1130 with the latest. Uh, hey, just a reminder, countdown to tip-off. Uh, the NBA is tipping off tonight uh, with a double dip. And uh, countdown tip-off brought to you by Denny's. Get yourself a holiday turkey dinner for four starting at just $59.99. Dinner for four for under 60 bucks. Visit Denny's.ca for full details. More on the Canucks next right here on your home of Vancouver Hockey Sportsnet 650. Edmonton and Vancouver, to me, have the the biggest range of outcomes. Like, I just think you can't look at a team that's going to roll out Besser and Horvat and JT Miller and, you know, now with Tanner Pearson, obviously Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes. You know, if they get goaltending, like if Demko is who they think Demko can be next year, hope he's good. I mean, how, you can't tell me that it would be a surprise if that team was very good. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. That's Justin Bourne who joined us just a few minutes ago, a Sportsnet hockey analyst. A reminder this hour of the starting lineup is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuter Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. James Sabolski here along with Perry Solkowski kicking it with you. And uh, Perry... You, you look at the the odds are out from uh, Bet Online. Um, they have uh, listed uh, the North Division winner odds. The Leafs mm-hmm. have the best odds at seven to four. Okay, Edmonton's at eleven to four. The Canucks five to one. Odds pretty good. Montreal right behind Vancouver at six to one. Then the Flames and the Jets both at thirteen to two, and uh-huh. Ottawa twenty-two to one long shots to win the division in the North. But the All Canadian Division Canucks at five to one; those are still pretty good odds. They're not bad. Uh, see, I'm surprised. You know what Justin said there is so true. We we are so close to this team, 
and, and Justin is watching as, as many games as he can too. You know, are we, what are we basing the Canuck success on? What we saw in the strange environment in the bubble, which will, with no fans and, and the setup they'll play is similar. They played a lot, a lot of hockey in August and they were successful at it. Do we base it on that or do we base it on what we saw during the regular season, which was a great start and the team that started to flounder in the, in a couple of months are going to hang on. Are they going to hang on to this position? And, and I don't know if the answer is in between. I mean, you lost a lot of key people from that. I don't think the Markstrom loss is going to kill us to the fact that you're unsure about what the goaltending is. I think it will be fine. Chris Tanev was great because he was healthy last year. Can you replace him? Uh, there's just too many too many unknowns around the Canucks team for me to go, you know what? Yeah, they're they're winning the division. I think the unknown for the Canucks are, are they finishing in the top four position in this division and getting it done? I don't see them winning it. I think there's too much talent in Toronto, and I think Toronto made some decent adjustments. Um, but, I, I, you know, it's crazy. I love, to, I love to bet. And right now, I would be waiting until puck drop 7 o'clock January 13th before I'd go, Playoff team or non-playoff team? So many questions around this Canucks team that aren't answered yet. I, I still lean towards goaltending as, as my biggest question, and yet it's funny. If you look at our Sportsnet 650 Twitter poll question this morning, uh, asking you what's the biggest question mark going into the season, um, 44% of you say the blue line. Um, only 10% of you think that goaltending is the biggest issue. Bottom six forwards, 28% and your top six at 19% in terms of your biggest questions. But I, I generally think that most people that are high on the Canucks' chances of not only winning the division or making a huge stride this year here, Pear, is the internal growth from within from the young players, right? Like, what's Pedersen's next step? What's Quinn Hughes do in year number two? You know, what can Bo do for an encore after a pretty strong playoff performance with 10 goals in 18 games? You know, does Brock Besser have another gear? Like, for me, I am I am so... I think at times I probably come across as a Brock Besser hater, but I'm not fully convinced of what Brock Besser is and mm -hmm. what the expectations of who he is. You know, there was a guy, his rookie season pair, that I looked at and I said, boy, this guy might be a, a player that, that could be a 40-goal scorer. But that shot is not there anymore, right? And I know people will say, oh, well, you know, he's emerged. His two-way games really come a long way. You know what? Brock Besser's not going to be ever killing penalties. You know, you're not looking at him being a shutdown guy. You know, I, I want to see Brock Besser get back to being that offensive dynamite that was kind of flirting with the same area code as Patrick Laine and Alex Ovechkin two years ago. But that's not. Yeah, the case. I, I don't. You know, when you talk about the stars, and when we, when we had Justin there, he goes, "Oh, with a, a team with Hughes and Besser and Bo." Well, I I would now say a team with Hughes, with Pedersen, with Bo, and, and with Nate Schmidt. I, I you know I, I wouldn't look at Brock Besser. I can't believe people are that. And here's where the love of Canuck fans are. Oh my goodness, we lost Stetcher and we lost Tanev. Like, I can't believe there is that much concern in our poll question that they think the blue line is their issue. So what, you think Quinn Hughes is going backwards? Hey, maybe he'll have a sophomore slump, but I think the most of you think Quinn Hughes will get better. Alex Edler may not stay as healthy. Uh, Tyler Myers should be better, and he is what it is. But people, you got Nate Schmidt. Like, maybe you don't realize how good Nate Schmidt is. 
So Nate Schmidt in replace of Chris Tanev and, and Troy Stetcher, I'll take that any day. I will take that any day, and that's what Jim but, Benning but was. Is any, said, but, no, but is anybody that saying? But is anybody saying that otherwise, Pear? Like I, I think everybody well, would agree that I, I don't. I don't know anybody that would say I would rather take Chris Tanev over Nate Schmidt right now, right? I don't think anybody's kind of lamented that. No, no, but but the fact that they're concerned about the uh, about the blue line. That that's a major concern for the fans. I, I you're looking at depth. Yeah, you're going to need. We don't know what Ole Olivia is, right? We're, we're, well, we're that, unsure. That third pairing. Forty three percent of the people are more concerned about the blue line than well, anything else. Well, what's that third pairing, right? Because look, you you may not see a lot of offense in your bottom six in terms of your forwards, but those guys don't necessarily hurt you in terms of. You know, they match up well in terms of. They won't hurt you defensively. They may not give you much offensively though. Where that that third pairing on the back end, I mean, that is that is a huge unknown, I think, defensively. Where Jordy Ben, look, Jordy Ben wasn't a good fit last year here, right? I, I think we would agree on that. How things kind of played out, and then now there's an opening. So, is Olio Levy ready for prime time? Like, I guess well, you, you hope find so, out. right? I mean, you are hope. they lamenting Oscar Vandenberg got away? I mean, he played some really good hockey in the playoffs, but that third pairing. Is yeah, when you when you're in a battle, you're going. What's that third pairing? How bad is the drop off? But would you not agree that top four now is better than it's ever been? I it, it is as good as it's been in. I would say uh, at least on paper, it looks to be as good as it's been in at least uh, eight years. You know, I, I would you know with Edler. I mean, you'd have to go back to the days of when you know Ham Hughes, Bieksa, Edler. Um, you know that you'd be looking Christian at that Erhoff, sort of mix. right? Yeah, like, you're right. You know, you're you're going back almost ten years, but I mean that that mm-hmm. that blue line's been a dog's breakfast, and you know, not a lot of that blue line's been developed here, right? Uh, you know, Quinn Hughes now finally. I mean, Edler was an 04 draft pick, so it's not like he came under the Benning regime. You know, Schmidt comes via trade, Myers comes via free agency signing, Jordy Ben's a free agency signing. You know, Yolevi, you're hoping that he can finally make that jump. And, and, and you know, hey, like, we're a week away from it being 2021. You know, Yolevi was fifth overall in 2016 pair. I mean, we're talking almost five years since this guy was a top five pick in a pretty loaded 2016 draft. Yeah, and, and, and I will I won't blame that all on him. That's injuries. Um, and if he is healthy... And if somehow Ole Olevi is a third-pairing defenseman that makes a lot of really smart decision, isn't spectacular, but is a calming influence, all of a sudden you look at that, you know, then you've got five legitimate guys. Myers plays tough. Then you can fill that void. And whether that's a Brogan Rafferty or someone else, uh, they could be in a really good situa- situation. I mean, to me, the two swing players here on this team are Ole Olevi. And, and I don't want to say Jake Vertana because it is. And the other swing player is the unknown. Is it Paul Coles in arriving late? Is it Holglander actually saying that he can play in the NHL from the get-go? Um, I don't know who that second swing player, but Ole Olevi for me on the back end could really be a big difference maker. And one that Canuck fans could go, geez, take a look at this setup. We may have this for a long time. He can figure out Edler's contract situation next year. Does he want to go? Do you leave him available? Do you work something out? I think that's possible. But Ole Olevi is one of the biggest swing players on this roster this year. A hundred percent. And I don't think it's all just injuries on him, right? Like the, I think some of him kind of took a step no. back, as a, a, you know, in terms of development, right? Like this guy wound up going from the Ontario Hockey League playing in a in a 
prospect factory like the London Knights, like how many great players have come out of the London Knights, you know, over the years, you know, Bo Horvat, you know, first and foremost, Patrick Kane along the way. You look at, uh, you know, Matthew, <laughs> Matthew Kachuk, Max Stoby. I mean, it's, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, the list goes on and on. But, you know, I, I'm, but the, the, you look at the players that come out of London and Ole Olevi, um, you know, he wound up going to Finland for a while, right? He was playing overseas and, okay, playing in a pro league. But, man, it took a while to get him to Utica. Right, and then a couple of years, like you're talking about a fifth overall pick. Like it shouldn't take that long for a fifth overall pick to get to the National Hockey League in theory, especially with a draft that that was that was pretty deep that year. My response would be yes. You you want those guys to be drafted, and you want Olio Levy to automatically. You come from London, okay? If he's not ready next year, he'll be in two. Considering where this hockey team was, though. It could be a blessing in disguise. You know, there was nothing here. Brock Besser came and was, oh, all hail Brock. Scores his first game. You go, great. And, and Brock had that that rookie year, the all-star game. And you go, that's unbelievable. No, you didn't worry a whole lot about what else Brock had into his game because the team around him wasn't good enough. But now Ole Olevi comes, and it's perfect timing for him. He may have the mindset, okay, finally. It's not going to be all on me. He spent most of last year with not a whole lot of people talking about him. Because we didn't need to. Quinn Hughes had us going crazy. Pedersen had us going crazy. No need to talk about what Ole Olevi was up to. And I thought, that's perfect. Let him go play. And then all, all of a sudden, he shows up in this scary situation in the bubble. You're going to make your NHL debut in the playoffs. Can't make a mistake. Yeah, he only played five-plus minutes. But guess what? They go, eh, he looked like he could handle it. The pressure wouldn't be that bad. And it takes longer than some. It takes longer than some, and I would rather have an Ole Olevi who hasn't been at this level than waiting for a guy who's been here for three or four years and you go, man, I don't know if we've just seen the best. You know, we may have seen the best of Jake Vertanen. 18 to 20 in a regular season may be all you get, and you got to be satisfied with it. We don't know what we get in Ole Olevi. He may be a six-pairing defenseman, and that's it. May not be good enough to be there, but he could be a guy that might be in this top four for the next five years. Unknown. And it sucks that they had to wait, but the timing's pretty good now if he's healthy and they think he's ready to go. 7.45 here on this Tuesday morning. James and Perry with you. Your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the hour. Harmon Dale from The Athletic will join the conversation as well. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Always welcome the discussion and the debate. Much more still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. I'll be home for Christmas. Nine minutes to uh, eight o'clock. Your Canucks commute just around the corner. And uh, how about this uh, this morning, Pair? John Shannon, a former Sportsnet hockey insider, uh, saying that the uh, Coyotes have announced that they will have a limited capacity of fans for home games this season, which I don't know if is much of a stretch from any other season for the Coyotes. Well, and wasn't Chris Wall announcing that Canuck fans, uh, season ticket holders, receiving emails uh, saying there's a chance that maybe you'll get to see some of the games this year? Brian Burke telling us the story a few weeks back that he received as a season ticket holder, paying season ticket holders, Burke always says, what percentage of games would he hope to see just in case? You've got to put everything in order. 
Like I would suspect we will see fans for games in Florida for sure. You know, watching a little bit of that um, Tiger Woods tournament over the weekend, sons, daughters, uh, fathers playing and, and Tiger and Charlie playing. I was surprised by a couple of the camera shots that I saw with, I don't know, I'm going to say 60, 70 people side by side around a tee box. Didn't see a whole bunch of masks. So it will happen. I don't know what they will have in place, but I think there will be some games where you'll hear a little bit of noise um, from some fans. I mean, a fair number of fans looked to be at the football game last night. Yeah, it's funny at times, like you get 20, I mean, 20,000 people. Here's the, here's the difference I find, though. Outdoor, an outdoor venue to me is way more appealing than an indoor venue right now. Mm-hmm. To me, me too, like but that. I don't think, you know, there may be others. Texas on the number lumber text line. Like, I think there are some that go, yeah, man, if they're going to allow 1,000 or 500 people in, I am all into that Canucks game. I'd rather so watch what, it on TV if there's going to be 500 so people. There. I was going to say, like, if, if there was, say, say the Canucks were saying there's going to be 3,000 people in, you know, that's pretty socially distant, I think. If there were 3,000 people in that arena, would you be inclined to go to a game? I would say, like, I'm personally, I'm not going. I don't think they would get up to 3,000 people. I'm not going yet. I, I'm waiting till the new, uh, I, I was going to say the new year. I, that, that wait's coming real quick. I, I'm looking at next fall when they can go, yeah, no, we're good to go. If we can we can push in the 18,000, we're putting in 18,000. But I'm certain that there's others going, you know what? Let me buy my Canucks tickets now. When are they playing? I'm going to see it. I can understand that it's been a loss for me. I'm not, but I'm not surprised. And I think we will hear more American cities announcing a number of fans will be in there to, to see hockey in a couple of weeks. I would be inclined for a suite. <laughs> that sounds very elitist. Yeah, um, look at you. I don't know if I'm spent. I don't think I'm spending the money on it. But I would say that I feel like I would be comfortable in a suite. I don't think I'm necessarily into the idea of going with the kids um, to a game right now inside. You know, if the and I'll say this, like on the on the flip side, like if Nat Bailey were offering, you know, sees games in the summer and they were doing, say, you know, 25% capacity, it's an outdoor venue might be inclined to do something like that to sit outside if, if you've got enough space uh, in between because you're sitting out because you're because you're stationary for a while right yeah so if there was enough space in between I'd, I'd be inclined for something along those lines I'd be more I'd be more for outside than I would be inside people it's a level of risk right some people will look at this as risk and of enjoyment. I think uh, we've been referring to an Angus Reid poll question on, on the News 1130 updates of what do people miss most? A lot of people are saying it's traveling. And then a lot of people are just saying, hey, the ability to hug others. Like you just think of, you know, if you watch older movies and by older movies, meaning movies that were made pre-COVID, like in 2019, and you see everybody gathered in one spot here and then you go, man, when do we get back to that? When are you getting back to those kind of situations? We'll get there and we'll be there really soon. But there are some people who are going to avoid it, who are going to avoid it for a while. And others who would be going, you know what? 2,000 tickets for the Canucks games. Tell me where I can buy them. And they'll be there. They'll be boisterous. boisterous. And I like the gradual slowness. We'll get back to what will be a normal and, a, and just a crazy, like the overhead shots of NFL games. I just go, wow. Those fans are usually crazy. And there they are, 70,000 plus stadiums. And no one is essentially there. 
we'll get there. So John Shannon saying we'll get there sooner than we think with some fans in some NHL cities come January 13th. All right, five minutes to uh, 8 o'clock. Uh, Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. Uh, one individual saying that they would sell out if they offered tickets to games this year. No one is honestly worried about the virus outside of social media, radio, and television, just my observations. So, um, you know, I, I would say mm-hmm. that there's definitely a school of thought from a few people out there that would probably happily go. Uh, we'll get into it more. Harmon Dale from The Athletic will also join us next on your Canucks commute here on Sportsnet 650. Spicing up your morning drive with the Canuck Commute. You have plan A, and then you better have plan B, C, D, E, and F, and all the way down to whatever, because what's true today doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be true tomorrow. I think they're going to do anything in their power not to move them to the States. This is the starting lineup with James Sabalski and Perry Solkowski. Hour number three here on this uh, Tuesday morning. Sabalski and Solkowski kicking it with you. Uh, hour number three and taking you until 9 o'clock this morning. Harmon Dale from The Athletic will join us in uh, just a couple of minutes here on your Canucks commute. Uh, Perry, we continue to wait. Uh, we heard from Dr. Bonnie and the uh, Provincial Health Minister, Adrian Dix, yesterday. And uh, our own uh, hockey insider, uh, Elliot Friedman, weighed in with his thoughts in terms of whether or not the Canucks and, and so many other Canadian teams kind of in this uh, hurry-up-and-wait mode as they determine the fate of whether or not they'll be able to play uh, in their respective provinces for this upcoming season, while we see so many American teams are now kind of saying, eh, we're going to have some limited fans here. I, I do like the messaging um, of the Canadian cities involved. It, it's very similar. If you were reading it, if you were watching it yesterday, I, I have no doubt that I think each Canadian team will play their games in their respective cities. I think fans and, and maybe the league was hoping that the rubber stamp and Dr. Bonnie sitting at her desk, okay, hey, quickly take a look at this. Yeah, testing, multiple testing. Good, all right, check next. Uh, it doesn't work that way, and I'm glad it's not working that way. Um, but but I am of the belief that, yeah, you can go, well, it's going to happen real quick. Well, you know what? How quick? I think, as Elliot said, there's a lot of plans in place. And one of them would be if they were given the old Heisman and going, you can't do it here. And they would be ready to implement that, whether it's plan E, F or G. But I do think plan A is to play in their cities. I think eventually, I mean, who knows? We don't know what goes on after Christmas and what kind of numbers we see. But I think with everything they have in place, I'm very optimistic that every team will play in their own city. I, I, I do believe that we're going to likely see all the teams playing in their respective cities. If I could, like, if I had to put a bet down right now, that's my sense of what we're going to see. But here's what Elliot Friedman had to uh, had to say with respect to the matter right now. What does your market allow you to do? You know, the Panthers announced yesterday that they're going to have some fans. Uh, Dallas announced yesterday they're hoping to have up to five thousand. Um, you know, like I, I heard some teams had told me they thought that, you know, Vegas was going to be open to fans if they can. Um, you know, I, I think that's going to be on a market to market basis where, and we're not expecting any in Canada. I mean, if you follow the experts, everybody's predicting that, you know, the, the vaccine is going to make a difference, um, you know, April, May, but the next couple months are going to be really hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that's kind of what we're looking at. What are you allowed to do in your market? And, you know, that's where we are. I think teams that are allowed to have fans will try. And teams that obviously uh, aren't allowed are going to have to wait until they're allowed to. And I know there's always been a hope that, you know, you can have, you can have 
a good chunk of fans in your buildings by the playoffs. We, we now know the playoffs are going to begin at the beginning of May. You know, we'll see where we are by then. Yeah. Anybody who says they know, they're, they're lying to you and they're lying to themselves. So there's Elliot Friedman, and I, that's the reality where I think a lot of provinces are in a world of hurt, and especially in these winter months. And look, I mean, yesterday we saw it looks like we're kind of leveling the curve. The numbers are still kind of high here in this province, but, you know, while we're starting to level that curve out, I mean, I, I would think that the numbers will climb after Christmas. And we'll see in the new year the numbers will climb once again because I think people will be determined to go and see. Now, I'm going to get into this at 8.30, pair, But I think getting on the road for the Vancouver Canucks, if they play out, and, and maybe we get a sense of normalcy come the spring. But I would say that getting on the road, like if the, if the Canucks were to play in Edmonton and that's home for them, it actually might work out for them logistically in a big way. And I'll get into that much more coming up at the bottom of the hour. Well, it is interesting what Elliot says, that Dallas is hoping that they could have 5,000 fans there. There's an advantage. I mean, the one thing we haven't discussed when it comes to pro sports in the last nine, eight months has been home field advantage. There's none, right? It's, it's, it's neutral site games. No fans really giving you much noise, and there have been at NFL games. But you imagine 5,000 people in a hockey rink, they can make a lot of noise. So if the Dallas Stars have that many people watching them play hockey games, advantage Dallas. So the good thing is, in this Canadian division, it looks like everyone's in the same boat provincially right now, at least at this moment, and it will change monthly. But to know, hey, how difficult would it be if all of a sudden you're going to Quebec to take on Montreal and there actually are four or 5,000 people there, and then you come back for your home game in Vancouver and there's no one there again. So at least from a Canadian perspective right now, and it will change, playing field's equal. Let's, uh, let's focus on the actual on-ice product uh, and bring in uh, Harmon Dale from The Athletic, who joins us here on this uh, Tuesday morning. How are you doing? How are you doing, Harm? Doing great, guys. How are you? Excellent, thanks. Nice to catch up with you again. You know, our poll question this morning, we're asking uh, our listeners and our, uh, and our followers on Twitter, uh, what's the biggest question for you with the Vancouver Canucks for this upcoming season? And why don't we turn it over to you? You're with this team day in, day out under normal circumstances. What, uh, give me a sense of where you see things so with this team. What's the biggest question for you? Yeah, I think the biggest one for me just comes down to depth because we know that um, you know, up front and even on the back end now, the Canucks have uh, the type of top-end talent that few teams in Canada can quite honestly match. I mean, um, to have Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, Brock Besser, Bo Horvat leading the top six, you know that that group is going to produce for you offensively. Um, on the back end, we know what Quinn Hughes can do. And now with the addition of Nate Schmidt, um, I really like the state of the top four. It's a lot better than it's been in past years. And you could make a case that it's probably the um, second best top four in, in Canada. Now, where you, when you look outside of that scope is where um, some concerns start to surface, I think, because um, if you go back to the blue line, um, and I've made this point uh, a number of times, is I'm sure the coaching staff is... Um, they're going through the depth charts and they're saying, well, geez, if we go down a guy or two in the top four, who is stepping up in the lineup? Because um, right now, who's your number five D-man on the depth chart? Is it Jordy Ben, who was, a sec- who was a healthy scratch for most of the second half of the season? Is it Ole Levy, 
um, who has one NHL game under his belt. And, and with those two, would you be comfortable with those two playing high leverage minutes in your top four? Um, and so that's where I think the Canucks um, have exposure to injury risk because whether it's on the back end or even up front, um, their sort of fortunes are um, almost uh, disproportionately weighted on the top end of their lineup. And so if you do lose a key guy, um, you do wonder if you have the horses behind them to step up and, 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 just, and just kind of make up for their absence. Um, so that would be my number one concern, especially in a condensed schedule where there's going to be a lot of three games and four nights. Uh, and for that reason, um, we know there could be durability concerns for some of these players. Harm, do you agree with the mindset that Jim Benning seems to be espousing in the fact that condensed schedule going to be different? I agree, and most do, with the depth concern, and he's looking at it as opportunity. And even though he may very well have some Michael Furlan money to play with, that he feels it's going to be a year that let's give some guys a chance to find out what we have, and then we can spend some money in the summertime. If that indeed is his mindset, do you agree with it? Yeah, I do think that's his mindset. Um, and I think part of it is when you look at the Canucks, the way they approach this offseason, they were fairly conservative as far as their actual cash commitments. Um, you look at uh, a lot of what they, uh, a lot of the contracts they dished out, whether they were for RFAs, even UFAs like Brayden Holpe, they seem to backload the cash commitments to uh, year two as much as possible. And I think. Um, uh, part of that is because obviously you're anticipating that a 2022 NHL season would um, allow for um, fans to go back and, and revenues would therefore normalize. And so for that reason, I don't think the Canucks, I think they made a conscious decision to sort of look at this year as a transition one where, as you mentioned, they're going to look to play some of the young guys. Um, the stakes maybe aren't as high as they are, as they were, uh, would have been originally from a business standpoint. So I think they're uh, taking the same approach from an actual competitive on-ice perspective. Um, and and so because of that, there is, I believe, the, the, the fortunes of this club is in large part going to depend on, on, the, on the second wave uh, of young talent. And, and whether it's guys like Ole Levy and, and Jack Rathbone and Brogan Rafferty on, uh, on the blue line, or whether it's up front, uh, the continued development of the likes of Adam Gaudet, of Jake Vertanen, of uh, Zach McEwen. Um, a lot of these names are going to be the X factors because, look, you know what you're going to get from uh, the Elias Pettersons, the Bo Horvats, the Brock Bessers, the JT Millers, more or less. Um, same thing on the back end. You know what you're going to get more or less from Quinn Hughes, Nate Schmidt, Alex Edler, Tyler Myers. It's about, okay, how are those other pieces going to fit in um, and so those are going to be, along with obviously extraneous factors like health, in my opinion, the, the young guys are, are going to be the biggest determinants um, in, uh, in establishing just how successful the Canucks can be this coming season. Armandale with us here on Sportsnet 650. What can we expect from Brock Besser in your mind? I think we can expect to bounce back, honestly. I, I don't know if we're Do going you? to see him. I, I genuinely believe so. And and I don't necessarily know um, how 
like you may not see him ever return to um like I go back and think to that rookie season that he had where yep. he was guns a blazing uh, near the top of the NHL uh, leaderboard in terms of goals. I, I don't know if we're gonna ever gonna see that version of Brock Besser again, but I I, I do think that we're gonna see better than uh, than he showed this past year. It's the first season that uh, he shot below ten percent, and I know there are some concerns about okay, is that uh, does that have something to do about the velocity uh, velocity of a shot? And and while that while that may be true to some extent, um, I think just given his career track record, he's due for some positive regression in that department. Um, now that Tyler Toffoli is no longer with the club, he's going to be back on power play one as that right shot. Um, so you know he's going to get those opportunities. Um, and really, I think the key for me is if he gets a shot to play with Pedersen and Miller again, um, I, I just the way that line clicked last year, it was one of the best in the NHL. Um, and, and really, the way I look, Besser's, look at Besser is – I watched him in the playoffs too. And the way that he was able to create space using his skating was a lot better than I'd seen in mid season. And I think he's realized the importance of, um, you know, he's never going to be a quick guy. He's never going to be someone who carries the puck to the neutral zone. But I think he realizes now the importance of just having that separation. Um, the, the first step um, in the offensive zone, just to cr- create, some time and space to actually unleash unleash his shot. So I think with that in mind too, um, uh, I think we could see a modest step step uh, step back a step forward here for uh, uh, for Besser. I'm not concerned about Brock, and and I think you know 649 line would be the smart way to play it. But Harm, after that, in a shortened condensed season. Does the leash have to be long? Do you think Jake Furtanen sits in that 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 second right wing position with the top six? And I know the organization wants it to happen, but can you wait for it to happen 10, 12 games in where it's the hit and miss Jake Furtanen? And if that's the case, do I dare say that, that Louis Erickson might be next up there for a while until they find something? Yeah, honestly, the leash can't be very long with, uh, with Jay Furtanen or frankly any player in this season. I mean, you've only got 56 games um, as your runway. And if you dig yourself an early hole, uh, man, it's going to be really hard to fight against gravity and get back into the playoff fight. Um, and I know, that, I know that the coaching staff recognizes this. The, the club and organization knows that um, a strong start is going to be the key. And especially if you look back at, at Vancouver's history under, under Travis Green, um, they have this history of, you look at the last three regular seasons, they get off to a very hot October. Uh, you look at the bubble, um, they just seem to hit the ground running really well. And over the course of the season, they can kind of fizzle out um, and, um, and sort of reverse to the mean a little bit. But um, they, they're one of the best, the most prepared teams and, and just seem to um, exceed expectations early. And I think that's going to be the key again for them into this shortened season. Um, and so when you look at Jake Vertanen and, and his possible st- uh, spot in the top six, um, I'm sure the organization has communicated to him that, look, this is the best top six opportunity you're going to get in your career, but you're going to, like, this isn't just going to be yours um, for an extended stretch. Like, you're going to have to put the work in. You're going to have to g- give the results. Um, and 
and, and look, if he doesn't show the, the level of two-way detail and, def- and defensive commitment necessary to be trusted in those high-leverage minutes, um, then you are, I think, going to see uh, the, the coaching staff turn to old reliable, which is Louis Erickson in, in the top six. He, he would be an option because you look at some of the other right-wing candidates. I mean, the other options aren't that very aren't, aren't very enticing either. I mean, you don't you probably don't want to shift Adam Gaudet from his natural position down the middle. I think you want to do everything possible to make it work from down the middle. Um, I mean, you've got newcomer Jace Howerla could be an outside candidate, um, and, and there are other options too, but just none of them seems, seem to stand out, and, and that's where if things don't work right away, um, you may see the organization look to even, um, e- even the trade market. That's what the club has done in two consecutive seasons, right? They've made a midseason acquisition for a top six forward uh, last year for Tyler Foley, the year uh, prior for Tanner Pearson. Uh, and if things don't work out for Jake Vertanen, I really wouldn't be surprised if they tried to explore that path uh, again uh, uh, closer to uh, this coming year's uh, trade deadline. When do you get a sense of what uh, the outlook looks like? I, I, you know, Jim Benning kind of alluded to it a couple of weeks ago that you know Michael Furlan won't be ready to go for the start of the season. Is that pretty much a write-off for the year, or is there going to be continued hope with that? Yeah, really good question on that. Um, uh, is the way I see it, um, we've seen Furland um, stop and start so many times, um, and um, in, in, the, in the nature of the injury he has, um, and, and all the history and the concussions that he does, um, it's it's a very frightening thing. Um, and and so w- with that in mind. Looking at Furland um, and the entire scope of the situation, um, I, I think it is you have to go as, as slow as you need uh, on this one. There's no, in my opinion, there's no sense trying to rush um, a mid-season sort of return. Uh, and look, I'm no medical expert, but um, especially for a guy who has missed as much time as Furland has now, I think he needs a training camp if he if he is ever going to come back. And I don't know if that's possible. Um, but if he is, I do think that he needs a full training camp to get back up to speed. The last thing you want is for him to sort of gear up for a comeback and then get into game action and realize, okay, like I am not ready for this. And um, that's where, uh, I mean, Ferlin himself has talked about a lot of times uh, the vestibular issues that come with the, um, the, the concussion symptoms and how, you know, when you first come back to play, even when it's at training camp, it just feels like the speed of, uh, 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 and the pace of the play is so high. And I remember talking to Sven Berici, he went through similar concussion issues um, and he said the same thing. So I really think the speed of, uh, of the game for a guy that's been on the sidelines, sidelines for so long um, would be a concern. So to me, from my eyes, again, I'm not a medical expert. If he's not ready to partake in, in training camp, then I'd be very wary of any sort of mid-season type return. I think if you are going to be planning and plotting for him to eventually return, um, you have to take this as slow as possible, take every precaution and make sure. Because, look, practices, you can, you just can't replicate game speed. And um, I know that training camp is, is kind of similar. Ideally, you'd, you'd want a, a proper um, training camp and preseason to allow him to get back up to speed. So that's kind of how... I'd approach things. So 
Um, the way I see it, uh, if you're a Canucks fan, you're probably not seeing Michael Furland uh, anytime soon. Yeah, it just seems uh, it just seems like it's it's pointing that way. Um, and I think the one thing that everyone has said throughout this episode, even in the in the last years, you just want Michael Furland, uh, the husband, uh, to to be okay, father, and and make sure he's healthy. Uh, Harm, thanks for this. Uh, at least we know they're dropping the puck, and it is going to be exciting. And man, we can sit here and predict all the storylines. I think it's the unpredictable that we know is going to happen as soon as they start with injuries, with everything that's taken place. But uh, it'll be fascinating, and a good fascinating, because I think there's more positive than negatives with this Canucks team as we look forward to the 2021 season. Absolutely. Happy holidays. Thanks. Uh, Harmon Dale uh, from The Athletic taking a deep dive on the Vancouver Canucks this morning on your Canucks commute here on Sportsnet 650. And James, yeah. let me ask you this. As, as, as we're looking at possible scenarios, and I think you need to find someone to be, not the hero, but you need that surprise in the Canucks. What would you do if you can't find someone to fill that right-wing void? You just, who can play? We're not going to move Godet, whatever. The one guy who had a great bubble and showed he's got that skill and it scored at a, at a college rank, but that's not been his guy. Do you throw Tyler Mott up there for a while? No. Don't think he ever gets a crack there? I just don't think he's that guy. I think that he is he is made for a bottom six role. I think he is tenacious. I think he works hard. He scored a couple of beautiful goals, uh, kills penalties, and provides that role. I just do not see him in a top six role where he is sustainable as a scorer. And here's the other thing. In, in that top six, is that a – you know, I think you, you don't want to concede size – in that top six already. Um, you know, Petey's already somewhat slight. Um, I mean, could you conceivably put Mott if you wanted to put him along with Bo and Tanner? Pearson? I would remove Tanner Pierce. See, I, I think Tyler Mott could replace Tanner Pearson. Yeah, I'm not going there. I, I, I just don't, I think Tanner, I think Tyler Mott is a bottom six energy line guy in the National Hockey League. I don't see him. I'll tell you what, a guy who a guy who's going to get a shot that you know who could play up and down and is Jace Harlock, right? And I think sometimes yep. he gets forgotten. And but he, you know when he's had some stretches, he's had some success scoring. I think you look at his numbers with the Senators and the brief run that he had last year. There might be something there. Um, yeah, I think it's a the, huge the problem question. with this conversation is you and I are trying to figure how do we put a piece in place that doesn't belong there. No, right. I, I well, look on I mean, a good you took team. Jake it for, does. Chase yeah. doesn't belong in a top six. Neither does Tyler Mott. I would argue Tanner Pearson doesn't belong in a top six. It just shows that they're great. They've got four superstars, but they don't have six guys right across the top six. Going, wow, that's that's dangerous. No, but I mean, you you took a guy sixth overall in 2014 with the hope that he would be a top six forward, right? And and in fairness to Jake Bertanen, and you and I have certainly. You know, pointed out his warts just as every other show and every other digital media member has over the last how many years. But Jake had 18 goals last year playing 12 minutes a night, right? Like, what does yep. that look like? What does that look like if he shows a little more, if there's a little more trust in Jake, if he shows that he is worthy of more trust? You know, what does it look like if Jake's playing closer to 15, 16 a night, right? How does that translate in terms of goals per game? 
Um, little little power play time, yeah. Yeah, but but again, until you know, you don't know. 26 minutes after 8 o'clock, uh, still to come. No BS, just straight up PS we'll share with you. Plus, why the Canucks might be actually better off playing outside of British Columbia in this ultra-tough all-Canadian division. We'll explain next right here on your home of Vancouver Hockey, Sportsnet 650. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. Well, as we all wonder and debate and await Dr. Bonnie and Health Minister Adrian Dick's decision on whether the Canucks, along with other teams uh, and their other provincial health officers, uh, allowing teams to possibly play in their respective NHL cities, I'm kind of getting to the same point as where Harrison Ford was here. Who gives a <laughs> Honestly, like hockey is coming back and let's move on. Now, I'm guilty of falling into this daily news cycle, but it's time to kind of move on here. Like, would it be nice for the Canucks to be at home at Rogers Arena? Sure. Yeah. Okay. If that helps you sleep better at night. Okay, sure. Why not? But here's the reality. Most of this roster on the Vancouver Canucks, they don't even call Vancouver home to begin with. And the best thing for Vancouver this season might be getting out of BC for this season in the All-Canadian Division. Will it change the Canucks' performance if they're at home here? I mean, it could actually help more being away from here. This was a team that in the summer came away with just one win short of reaching the conference final and bouncing the Vegas Golden Knights. This was a team that they had never beaten more than twice in two seasons combined, and they did it away from Rogers Arena. They dispatched the defending Stanley Cup champs, the St. Louis Blues, not here, but in a bubble in Edmonton. If anything, playing away from Vancouver might actually bring the Canucks together even more. They'll stay in hotels together. Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. Ah! Okay, well, maybe that's a bad example there. But you get the picture. It brings the team closer. No one is watching inside Rogers Arena for the foreseeable future unless you're on the team or your name is Aquilini or Benning. So home ice advantage isn't really a thing. And here's another thought in all of this. While we all sort of romanticize about the North Division, the all-Canadian Division, Vancouver's got to deal with a murderous travel schedule. Think about some of these divisional rivals. Montreal, 4,500 kilometers away. Ottawa, 4,300 clicks. Toronto, another 4,300. Winnipeg, just a short little puddle jumper flight of 2,300 kilometers. Let's say Edmonton is the place to be for the Canucks. You can shave off about a 1,000 kilometers on almost every trip in the country and take off even an hour on any trip, even to Calgary. It makes a huge difference. And for a team that has often lamented their travel schedule and the miles that the players spend in the air and changing time zones, getting out of Dodge, people, just might be the way to go. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. In 2020 and soon to be 2021, time is currency. And with an already tight schedule looming in 2021, 
Shaving off thousands of air miles and dozens of hours commuting just might make a bigger difference than we realize in the standings for this upcoming season. So maybe they shouldn't just worry about what Dr. Bonnie and Adrian Dix have to say with this looming decision. And that's this morning's edition of Seaball Says. I actually think it's going to be the opposite. I think the travel that the Canucks will make when they head to Toronto and Montreal, they'll probably play four or five games, so they won't have to play in Toronto, take off the next day. It'll be easier. And let's look at two sides of the coin. If we were sitting in Toronto right now and or Montreal and Ottawa, and they're going, really? Like those teams make one trip out west all year. And now all of a sudden they're going to go, wow, we're in Alberta again? Jeez, we're now we're in B.C.? We're going back again next month. So it's probably a bigger, wouldn't you agree, a bigger travel adjustment, even though the Canucks only have their own time zone and home games to play in, if that's the case, than it is for these Eastern teams that now have to go, oh, we've got Winnipeg, we got two in Alberta, and we got to go out to the West Coast. I, I Honestly, we'll see what the schedule looks like. But how many times, and pair, you travel with this team on the charter at one time. You know what it's like. You're one of few people who know firsthand what that schedule is like for those guys. And, man, it comes up. And I believe every general manager has lamented it at some point in time. And for this division in this unique setting, buddy, I actually think it might actually be to their benefit to get out of the province. Yeah, it, it could be the case. And and everyone really mean they, they don't have to worry about customs. It's as easy as you can make travel. But at the end of the day, travel's not easy. And uh, I've spent a lot of miles on a plane with hockey teams. I've spent a lot of miles on a plane with soccer teams. And you get to the new city, you check in at a time, you go, wow. Uh, and I'm pretty decent at, at getting myself to a gym and, and staying active. But I've always thought, man, these athletes, that's a grind to maximize what they have to do to get it done. So that is no BS. That's P.S., and we've got a little more right now as it's that time at 8.37. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call B.S. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not B.S., just P.S. with Perry Solkowski. Here's the truth, no B.S., uh... Elias Pettersson is not a singer, but he is a guy who has a heart of gold, as does Michael Bublé. I'll listen to some singing. Well, try and hear Petey, but you hear Bublé as they hooked up in the last couple of days and did a great deed outside Canucks Place. Hello, everyone, or happy holidays, or good Yule, as we say in Swedish. Um, I'm happy to be here. I'm fortunate I can't come inside because of this COVID. But lucky for you, or for me, we're <laughs> going to sing a few songs. And I brought a good friend of mine, Michael Bublé. Hey, everybody. How are you? Hi, guys. Thanks, Petey. A special hello to all you beautiful doctors and nurses, kids and your beautiful moms and dads and everybody. I'm so happy to be here. I wish I could be inside, too. Fortunately for me, I have Elias Pettersson with me. Now, we, we're, not, we're not rehearsed. But I think this could be something that we take on the road every Christmas. Are you guys ready? Would you sing it with us? He said, really, sing it with us. Are you guys ready? Come on. You man. better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I am telling you why. Sing it. Santa Claus is coming to town. 
PD gather round. Yeah, so PD was told to gather round. He had a mic in front of him the whole time, but he really didn't sing. And here's a young man who's been about hockey, 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 even around Christmas time. As as they're leaving, he kind of admitted this to Michael Bublé. I just realized I don't know any of the songs. <laughs> what's a big, what's a big, uh, what's a big Swedish Christmas song? Now it's like I don't even know the Swedish songs. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> James, there's there's something endearing about that young man. I just realized all I did was play hockey, hockey, hockey. I didn't listen to the lyrics of any songs in Sweden and or in North America. I mean, Fun if stuff. somebody wants Petey to get out there, wouldn't you say, hey, you know what? Here's like two songs. Can you just take the time and uh, get familiar with it? Here's Jingle Bells and uh, Rudolph. What, whatever, right? And, I mean, in fairness, like he he's speaking a second language. But man, like this guy, this guy needs to hook up with somebody. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't assume, right? He needs the, some mistletoe. You know, he needs some mistletoe and needs a plus one in his bubble. It sounds like. You know what? He just needs to play hockey, and we will benefit as a city that this guy is single-minded and the narrow focus is just hockey, hockey, hockey. Hey, football, 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 all the time. Saturday, an NFL game between the 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. It will be unique. In Austin, it's 60 degrees with a chance. <laughs> Alexa? Amazon's Alexa lost her voice this morning, causing a Alexa lost her voice. How is that even possible? We have the replacements ready. Just say the word. And you're sure this is going to work? Oh, Amazon. They've got everything right with Alexa and everything they do. Will they get it right with football? Amazon will simulcast the football game on the weekend. They've started it already. It's called The Holiday Blitz. Seven shows produced for this week. All different areas, getting to know the players, doing it right. They are making a big, big push, James, to say, hey, NFL, streaming services, Amazon, everything we touch is gold. Come aboard. We will deliver. Pun intended. <laughs> Just give me the game, man. Just give me the game. You got it on Amazon, and next week you can watch one on Nickelodeon or down the road. Hey, you want a game? You want to have a beer at that game? A New Zealand craft company. This is not BS. They've just released their latest beer, and I like the marketing campaign. 2020. Let's face it. It's been pieces. This year has thrown everything you could imagine at us. Global pandemics, the end of democracy, killer storms, and even venom-spitting murder hornets. In fact, 2020 has been such a total and utter piece of We felt we needed to do something to try and blow off a bit of steam. What on earth can we do to make sure that we end this dreadful year on a high note? The answer, of course, is to brew a delicious beer, one that says what we've all been thinking. 2020. FU 2020 is the beer that they're making down in New Zealand, a very popular craft beer and great marketing. Not only when you buy the beer, you can actually take off the label. It's like a sticker. And so you got a decal there all of a sudden. FU 2020 as we count down the days to say goodbye. Where do you count down the days? Well, for Chelsea Handler, I love, she's funny, good platform, uses it for a good cause, and likes to preach sometimes, but you got to listen to what you say, Chelsea. There's so many annoying people out here, and I just can't deal with it. I said, I'm losing my patience. That's from her stand-up, and she seems to be losing her patience as well in Whistler. She went to Instagram and said, yeah, I'm here, but I'm not going anywhere. 
Is our relationship gonna get any better? We came to find the snow and we found it. But now I have to quarantine for 14 days while I watch people yeah. ski. Chelsea Handler up in Whistler. Yeah, yeah, I know James, we talked earlier. You think, oh, that's okay. No, she's bitter. She's got a quarantine for 14 days. Welcome to Canada. You come, enjoy Whistler, your hotel room in Whistler, because you can't go anywhere, Chelsea. And there's no way that was her game plan. She thought she was coming here, skiing, hiking, and doing it all. And maybe she is. Hopefully, she's got 21 days planned in Whistler. Oi, what's, no to, say that, Just what's to say that she's got, she might be planning to be there all winter. How do you know? It's vague okay. details that people are all upset because, what, you don't like the idea of an American coming here? Well, I don't know. Listen, she can come all they want. But when you come, understand that you can't do anything for two weeks. I don't have a problem with that. You're ready. You can come. But don't complain and don't tell me that when she goes and goes, uh, oh, we're going to get closer. There's all the people skiing. I can't believe it. Man, you know what? Guess what? You came. You understand it. And maybe if she's here for three months, excellent. Let's try and get her on the show. I promise you, I bet you she's not here past January 1st. And we'll never leave. And that's just the way it's going to be. Would you travel somewhere and say, hey, yeah, no, it's great. We went on holidays. Couldn't leave for two weeks. You're not going and traveling if that's the case. But if you're if you're hunkering down for a while, why, why not? Like, she's obviously affluent enough where maybe she doesn't have any projects on the go and she's just chilling. Come on. Okay. I don't, you're, I don't know you're the, very I don't know optimistic. You're I just don't very know optimistic and a big fan of Chelsea Handler. That was not her game plan coming out. Is Wouldn't she not allowed to joke around? Wouldn't have made, I'm pretty damn selective when it comes to PS and BS. For you to think that she came to stay in a hotel room for 14 days in Whistler, that's BS, not PS. PS facts are she's choked. She came here and goes, wow, I actually can't go out for that long. No, you can't. Could she not have? So in theory, could she not have at the border said, "Oh, I gotta do this." Well, I'm I'm gonna hop on a plane and I'm gonna turn around then. In theory, she's probably thinking, "No, they don't really need 14 days. (laughs) They're not. They're not gonna do that. They're not that serious, are they? Don't they see what's going on in my country? It's been great. We can do anything we want. (laughs) Out of time." 846, some final thoughts. The text line is jumping. The Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. We will weigh in with some of your thoughts next right here on your home of Vancouver hockey. Home of Hayden on Chelsea Handler, too. Sportsnet 650. Yeah, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not bow. I'm telling you why. Say. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. All right, nine minutes to uh, Hockey Central coming up at the top of the hour. Sabolski and Solkowski ready to get on out of here. Three days to Christmas. High of four degrees today here, Pear, and the uh, Dunbar Lumber text line uh, moving at 650-650. A lot of Canucks conversation uh, here going and... uh, Taking a little bit of grief, your idea about maybe giving Tyler Mott a shot. There are more than a few people that seem to like that idea here, Pear. Um, Sabalski probably thought that Burroughs would just stay in the bottom six for his career. Mott's one of the best skaters on the team. Give him a shot. Well, I, I listen, I, I think you're, you're... 
sometimes you can't just pencil guys in. You you do when you have everyone that fits a role, but I do think there is a vacancy. Um, there's other people. No way Mott replaces Pearson. If you watch Pearson's play along the boards and the puck control, Rathbone is the sleeper, maybe. Trade Ole Olevi and a second for Chernik. I don't, I don't think you're going to see player moves. Here's what, what I will be interested in. How long do we wait for these free agents to sign? Like how long does Hoffman sit on the sidelines? How long are they there? Are we going to see some business deals really quick? There's just not a lot of money around there. So do you see players that maybe don't sign on with the team that are available in two months, three months time and go, you know what? I'd like to take a million dollars right now if you want to pay me. And all of a sudden just come in and you're, you're a rented Unrest, you know, unrestricted free agent. All of a sudden, I mean, a lot of signings have to be made before we're done here. Well, and uh, I think teams still kind of have to take care of in-house matters as well, right? Like, there's some RFA's yeah. that still need to be taken care of, logistics in terms of caps. I, I think the slow play might actually work to the benefit of some of these players, but Travis Hamannick's still out there. Um, you look obviously, as you mentioned, Hoffman's still out there. There, there are names that are getting, uh, you know, the tires are being kicked around. Uh, Pierre Lebrun from The Athletic suggesting mm-hmm. that uh, Siu has got a number of teams that are interested. Mm-hmm. He's a big body who can still skate like the wind, um, despite the fact that he is underperformed. Like, Detroit gave up on him. I mean, Detroit in the massive rebuild, they gave up on him, right? The Oilers kind of saw a brief sample didn't side. Didn't, didn't yeah. obviously click there as well. Um, but I mean, there are guys that are out there, and of all the years to be a free agent or an unrestricted free agent and call your shot, this is this is probably one of the worst off seasons. And you know what? How do you begrudge a team for, for not spending? I mean, you know, you, you lose so much of your gate revenue with this league being still a gate-driven league. Um, it's hard to sit there and, and say, hey, look, okay, we're going to go and, and sign somebody for a few million dollars. Um, well, where... that's exactly it. What we do know today, it's Countdown to Tip-Off, James, brought to you by Denny's. You get a holiday turkey for dinner for four, starting at fifty nine ninety nine. Visit denny's.ca. Man, I, cheering for a coach will be different, but Stevie Nash makes his debut on the bench tonight. Yeah, Kevin Durant making his Brooklyn debut tonight against his former team, the Golden State Warriors. And then you got Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers against LeBron and the Lakers. It's a double shot as the NBA tips off. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Ed Jovanoski will drop on by as well. Hockey Central coming up next right here on Sportsnet 650. See ya.